Welcome to the Christmas edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter in the IG at SidKid80. Once again, that's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can catch this podcast, Second City Sports, along with the other podcast programming from War Media. By first going to our website at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And wherever you download your podcasts, including the iHeartRadio app, make sure you search for War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. Make sure you type that in your search engine boxes wherever you download your podcast. And we're also on YouTube, a.k.a. the tube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. Look alive! Here we go. All right, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Yes. Get those lines we'll, up. That's right. Get them up, get them up, get them up. <laughs> and now we'll start with our week 15 action from the NFL, with starting with our local team, the Chicago Bears. Uh, they keep their slim playoff host alive by defeating the Minnesota Vikings by the score of 33-27. to 27. The Bears are stand at 7-7 seven and seven with two games left to go, while the Vikings drop their record to 6-8. and eight. My quick analysis from yesterday's game, <laughs> Here's why Mitchell Trubisky is playing like a comparable quarterback. David Montgomery, who will break down the performance in just a minute, he actually looked like a running back. Three, we actually have an offensive coordinator named Bill Lazor. And some of y'all on Twitter think that he should be the next head coach. We'll get into that in a minute. And number four, the defense, even though they're not carrying you anymore, they actually played complimentary football yesterday, even though they missed some key guys. (laughs) (laughs) As of right now, as of this recording, and we talked about this for the last several weeks, and you brought this up, Lamont, on, um, on a couple of episodes back. The McCaskies are going to be left off the hook should the Bears find their way somehow to make it into these playoffs in 2020. (laughs) I think I speak for a lot of Bears fans. The McCaskies will escape with little to no scars again should this Bears team make the playoffs. (laughs) 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 Every time you turn, you got to laugh to keep them crying. Yes. Go ahead, Lamont. Yes. Um, That was a good face you made, Sid. That was a good thing because – Ah! <laughs> yeah, because now what? I mean, you look at you look at to some of us, our worst nightmares have come true. But Mitch mm-hmm. Trubisky has been playing like a quarterback, which leads you to wonder: Has he been able to be a quarterback the whole time, and has Matt Nagy been the problem, not allowing Bill Lazor to call plays? You look at what it's been three weeks now that Bill Lazor been calling plays. And it's before been, it started with the uh, actually yes yeah, I believe it started with the Packers game and then went to the Detroit game Houston and of course with the Minnesota on Sunday. But we've been over twenty points in every game, like so. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Bisky is playing like a quarterback because he's doing a couple of things like moving him, 
letting him do what he can do that's comfortable. And like you say, we'll break down the statistics in a minute. But that that has just even if they don't make the playoffs at this point, if they and I told y'all a couple of weeks ago, if they beat Green Bay, it's sealed in stone. They're not going anywhere. But that opens up another question. What do we just run it back with everything we got and allow Laser to run the whole offensive show next year and just allow Matt Nagy to be a figurehead and go from that point on? Because I'm happy with the way they've been putting up points and not putting Mitch in positions that he can't handle. And I think that's what's been happening. He's being put in conditions that he can't handle by Matt Nagy. But, and I don't think Bill putting them in them type of positions. So, yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a win. <laughs> that was a, a team win almost. Even That was a complete, almost a complete team win. The team won yesterday. I don't know if the city won, but the team won. <laughs> you bring up an interesting point, Lamont. It, it lets, first of all, with Bill Lazor, the new offensive coordinator and calling plays, it clearly shows, we need had to see this at this point, but it clearly shows now that Matt Nagy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> and with the way that Mitch is playing right now, uh, uh, he, he could, could command money, not top dollar, obviously, because of the way he's been inconsistent here. But if you're, you're Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, of course, if the Bears should bring you back next year, would you really trust uh, Matt Nagy to be your head coach next year? And number two, can you get can you guarantee me? I'm Mitch Trubisky, of course. If you're Mitch Trubisky, can you guarantee me that Bill Lazor is your offensive coordinator next year? If you can, maybe I'll come back for a year or two. If not, I'm out of here. Because let's be honest here. Trubisky is playing for his NFL future. We said this a few weeks ago. The question is, will it be with the Matt Nagy slash Bill Lazor uh, regime on the offensive side, or will he be a backup somewhere else? And I'm not going to say I'm afraid, but if Trubisky goes on to succeed somewhere else, if you're a Bears fan, you should be frustrated because Trubisky, like you mentioned, Lamont, all season long, has been coaching all year long. Yes, Trubisky has definitely has some deficiencies, and, and, that's, and that's on him, but Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy has not fixed this offense. And I think it, both parties deserve uh, uh, blame to go around. But I think if you put a big percentage on it, it's more of Matt Nagy first. Like you always say, Lamont, coach your team and not your scheme. Yeah. You got you you got to coach what skill sets Trubisky has, what he's what he's loves to do best, and that's roll out the pocket. What have we seen the last few weeks, Lamont, with, yeah. from Trubisky? Let's be honest. Let's be honest here. Trubisky's been rolling out the pocket, throwing on the run. He's been running a whole lot more, too. Now, I don't want to see him run like Michael Vick, look at one or two receivers and take off running right away. I don't want to see him do that. But but he's been more smart with the football. You had to give Bill Lazor the credit for that. Now, I just don't know that if this same success will repeat itself next year if you bring the, the whole crew back. Yeah. But we'll worry about next year, next year. But Trubisky right now, as of right now, whether it's with the Bears or somewhere else, he's going to stay in the NFL. Let's see. Let me ask you a quick question. Can the Bears franchise tag him? I don't know if they can. I don't think they can because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, as we all know. I don't think they can franchise tag him. I don't think so. Don't quote me on that, but I don't think so. 
Uh, yeah, I don't I think don't... Chris Allen Robinson. We'll get to him later, but I don't think they could do that to Trubisky. Okay, sorry about that, folks. I uh, had to step out for a second, but I, I'm sure Lamont and Sid probably have already sort of referred to this a couple of times, but look, okay, this is the third game in a row that the Bears have scored more than 30 points. Okay, fine. David Montgomery got another 100 yards, over 100 yards again. Okay, fine. But, you know, here's, here's the thing. Eric Kendricks, who was the Vikings' top, def- top defense, top, top rusher, pass rusher, he wasn't there. So they were able to – that hole was there for Montgomery to go through, and he was able to kind of contain him in their first meeting back in week 10. Okay, okay, fine. You, you proved that, okay, you're, you're, you're better than the Texans. You're right at the same level as the Vikings. It's fool's gold. You didn't show – you didn't really show anything. Okay, fine. And if you're a Bears fan, yes, you're freaking out right now because, great, they're gonna probably going to be either 9-7 and seven or 8-8, eight and eight, and, you know, everybody's going to come back and we'll have to do this process all over again. So, I don't, I, look, I don't know how you guys feel. I, I missed it, but I just feel as though at this, at this point, I'm just like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. They're not going to make them. I know they're not going to make the playoffs. Somehow, I think they're going to stumble a bit in these next two games. I don't know which two, but I think they're going to stumble. But I, I'm at that point where I'm like, you know what? Uh, whatever. Meh. Okay, fine. Yeah. You prove, okay, what was this, you know, for this, during that six-game losing streak where you were actually playing good teams? Sorry. You know, fool's gold. But, Lakina, like I said a second ago, and you can finish, uh, only one game matters, that Packer game. If we win that Packer game, all of this is out the window. The, everything's going to stay. And that Packer game is important because that game might put us in the playoffs. So, if they don't stumble against Jacksonville, which the way the offense has been playing the last three weeks, might be hard to do. Because I don't think Jacksonville offense can beat our defense, even if our defense not playing up to par that day. I mean, God, I mean, look. I, look, I mean, the NFL, look, we saw what happened. We'll, we'll talk about the Jets game against the Rams in a second. I yes, think it shows you, I mean, it shows you that anything can happen, so... <laughs> I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but if somehow the Bears lose to Jacksonville, then you know what? We're all going to be doing this again next week. So I'm, I'm at this point, I'm, I'm sort of like, you know what? Okay, fine. You, you proved that, like I said, you're, you proved that you're better than the, you're better than the Texans. You're right on par with the Vikings who were shorthanded. Look, if, if, look, if Kyle Rudolph was, you know, was there, he would have made that, that catch from Kirk Cousins at the last second. I'm already, like, putting on, going on record saying that he would have. So I'm not, like, okay, okay, so where was this Trubisky, you know, the few games he was playing before he got hurt and, and was sad? Or where was, you know, and, and let's remember, too, the defense is getting up a lot of points, too. So we're kind of doing a reversal, like, Twilight Zone here. It's the defense there, actually, that's not looking too good, and now the offense looks good. So, you know, you're damned if you, damn you don't. It's sort of par for the course, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sydney Brown as we review the Bears' 33-27 to victory over the Minnesota Vikings in Week 15, taking a look inside the numbers for the Chicago Bears for their second victory in the row, which evens their record up at 7-7. Seven Take a look at the numbers from the Vikings game. Mitchell Trubisky was 15 of 21 for 202 yards, a touchdown in an interception with a quarterback rate of 97.7. That is correct. As far as the running game is concerned, Cordell Patterson got his 
Uh, occasional run carry for three yards. David Montgomery, as Lakina mentioned a second ago, 32 carries, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. Clearly his best game of the season, his best game of his career. And Allen Robinson for the Bears had four catches for 83 yards. His longest was a 35-yard reception. And also breaking down the numbers for receiving rights, Cole Komet, two catches for 12 yards. Jimmy Graham, two catches for 25 yards. The tight ends got involved a little bit, but not as much as I personally would have liked, but you take it what you can get. Darnell Mooney showed up again yesterday. He had a, a touchdown in that first quarter, four catches for 49 yards. So, like you guys have been talking about the, uh, these last couple of minutes, this Bears offense looks good. You had to give Bill Lazor uh, the credit for it. My, my concern is will that continue with these next two games? As you mentioned, Lakina, uh, Jacksonville, it should be in a walk in the park, but the way the Bears have been playing this season, especially during that six-game losing streak, you cannot afford to overlook nobody. Ask the Rams. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to them in a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a lot to say about this one. Um, <laughs> about that one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, okay, you look, look, like I said, you look, you look good, fine, but you've been inconsistent. Can, you, can both the offense and defense play good at the same time in the same game? I, that would be nice. We can't have, like, your or the special teams, you know, can they all be cohesive? I mean, can we have, like, one not show up and another one have to save the other and vice versa? It, it, it's not, it's not going to work. Even in this sort of COVID, you know, season of the NFL, I guess you can call it, you can't really do that, especially in the playoffs. You're, trying, you're talking about, you know, let's go over sneaking into the playoffs. Okay, fine. You can't do it against someone if you have to play Washington or maybe Philadelphia. You can't afford to do that, so – you know, or Seattle. Exactly. Uh, Seattle, too. You may, oh, you're about to go at Seattle, too. So, mm. Yeah. But, uh, that's what I mean. Like, that's why I, I wouldn't want to go to the playoffs if I had a choice because I don't think we're a playoff team. But the way things are stacking up, we could make the playoffs and possibly beat somebody. I mean, even if we went to Philadelphia, um, I, I will not get to that Philly game later. But even when we get to Philadelphia, we might can beat Philadelphia the way we – see, I, I can't – I'm throwing out the first half of the season. I'm throwing out those six losing games, and I'm going to just go with what we got left. And, Lakina, it's possible that both could show up for these last two games. You have to, you have to, you have to jump over a couple of teams, though, too. Yeah, yeah. we, we – I mean, low. yeah, so that, 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 that's, that's still a lot. At New York. And it's not so much as trying to get them to the playoffs. I mean, but even if we get those two games as complete games from the complete team, I, I really don't think much going to change. I think we're going to make a couple of – we're going to probably drop Cordell Patterson and let Donnell Mooney do his job <laughs> and use them both ways, <laughs> another receiver, and get another running back and maybe fill up a hole on defense, and they're probably going to just run it right back. And I had asked Sid, while you had stepped away, can we franchise tag Mr. Trubisky? And if so, since everybody's job might be over next year anyway, if possible, they could do that. Or they may even bring him back as a one-year deal just to see what he can do after denying his fifth year in the first place. I think it all depends on what they decide to do. I mean, I don't think they can franchise Mitch. 
if you're Allen Robinson, you don't want to get franchise tagged either because I think look, exactly he already like scrubbed his Twitter account of all things bear. So he's trying to get out of there. So you you know they may try to franchise a Rob. He may not be happy about that. Do you do you take do you invest twenty million to see if you get this Mitch next year consistently? I don't know. And look, you don't know what else you know is going to happen. So at this point, it's it's hard to say. But what what if that Mitch has been there all the time and Matt Nagy just held him back? What was his what's been his excuse the last the last four years then? If that's the case, we should have been we should have been seeing this. We can't say yeah. that after a couple of games. Oh well, Mitch is really the guy. No, no, you, no. you can't you can't really do that. So you I can't say he the guy. No one's saying he the guy. I'm just saying, what if he was held back and his progression level was slowed down by Matt Nagy? Like I said, it's like I said, it's it's you can't really make that kind of distinction though. I mean, what what was his excuse during the other those previous years then, when yeah. he had different coaches? So look, I've said it before. I think they should have taken Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by that. I'm gonna stand by that. So he's not the guy. Look, let him go somewhere else. You know, maybe you know in a better system and a better coaching, then he'll probably excel. Right now, he's not the answer for the Bears. I'm sorry. <laughs> speaking of that defense uh, we talked about this when you stepped away Lakina that the Bears defense of course uh, uh, they weren't looking like they were early in the season but they did just enough to beat the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday of course taking a look at the statistics it was nice for Khalil Mack to get a half a sack it was nice to see Robert Quinn get a sack Brent Urban uh, chipped in with a half a sack as well three quarterback hits from Bilal Nichols their nose tackle so the Bears' defense was, were very aggressive yesterday, Yesterday, but uh, their secondary, it, it was a little bit shaky. Of course, rookie Jalen Johnson, uh, he, he missed the, the game because of injuries. Uh, Sherrick McManus, their special teams guru, he actually had the big interception at the end of the game to seal the win for the Chicago Bears. Uh, the, uh, I'm not so much mad at the defense. Like I said, they did what they had to do to win, but it was, it's been nice for this offense to carry this squad, which – which has been the total opposite of for the entire season up until the Packer game. Oh, it's right. Let's see Robert Quinn actually play a full game. Yay! You're right. <laughs> Yay, Robert Quinn. Woohoo! I mean, look, I'm 39 now. I'm, I'm letting it all, I'm letting it all, uh, letting it all rip, letting it rip here. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, look, the defense did enough to win. I mean, like you, know, you can tell Jalen Johnson him not being there with this, you know, the secondary, you know, J Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, they kind of had their way for a little bit, bit with some of their rookies. So, you know, you kind of tell that him not being there, it was glaring. I mean, look, Danger Vathan, you know, still got it. He, you know, made some big plays. So, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, I just need, <laughs> I just need, I just need more consistent. That's all. I mean. I know, you know, some people may be saying I'm, I'm being nitpicky here, but th th this is this is what it is. You, you're not nitpicking. You just want to see it, and we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it, and you want to see it, and we pay enough to see it. And I, I feel your pain. Completely, I feel your pain on both levels, the defense and on the Mitch level. We have not seen it, but saying I don't see nothing in our future, it looks like we're going to see a lot more of it. Yeah, well, well, again, well, we'll see. We'll see. It's gonna, it's gonna be interesting though. These next couple of games. Yeah, 
Yeah, we just yeah we just want to see if the Bears could be consistent from here on out because uh, like you guys have been saying uh, for the, these last few minutes, uh, that Jacksonville game on paper looks like a slam dunk. We'll pick uh, uh, this coming week's games later on in the show. But it looks like a, a win on paper. But the way that the Bears have been playing, especially these last few weeks, uh, you can't you cannot afford to overlook anybody. So, and like we've been saying, as we'll break down the rest of the NFL uh, from Week 15 from Sunday in just a second, you can. This is the time. These last three weeks, uh, every season, we we see it every year that a team that's not supposed to win, they win. They alter the course. Of, of a playoff team, a, a team that's trying to get into the playoffs or they affect sitting. Let me remind you folks of something. The Miami Dolphins of last year, Tom Brady in crew of New England, they were supposed to get the number two seed. Guess what happened? They lost their regular season finale, home finale to the Dolphins. They got them to play on wild card. We can look what the Tennessee Titans did. They knocked them out of the playoffs and not bring into Tampa Bay. So <laughs> this kind of type of thing happens every year, folks. That loss happened already this year. See, it happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get to that too in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, look, Jacksonville. If you look through their games, with the exception of yesterday's game against the Ravens, we look, we all knew that that was they were not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna play well against the Ravens. But they played a lot of teams close. They played. Green Bay close. They played Minnesota mm-hmm. very close. They played Cleveland very close. So there's a look. There's a there's the talent's there. Maybe you know in various forms. So may, maybe look. Maybe a different coaching. Maybe a different regime. I don't know. The Gardner Minshew is out there. You know the the Visca Chenault is actually one of their top deep, top uh, wide receivers. Cam Robinson is a name that's familiar to a lot of people. You know on the on the O line. So. Look, I mean, I, look, like I said, like we were saying, like on paper, this should be a blowout. So look, Miles Jack's still around. You know, he's one of their linebackers. So, look, on paper, yeah, this was like a slam dunk, but they've played a lot of teams close. And so, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but don't be surprised if somehow the Bears lay, a, lay an egg here. There ain't no slam dunks, though. You know, I don't really believe in slam dunks when it comes to the Bears. Look at Look at who our quarterback is. So we could never have a slam dunk. We might get a layup, but we'll never get a dunk. <laughs> he can't jump that high. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah, speaking of lay, speaking of slam dunking, first of all, we're, we're Second City Sports. We take it to the hole and throw it down like Sean Kemp style. So let's go to uh, week 15. Actually, we had a couple of games uh, this past Saturday, and we had – of uh, the rest of the action from Sunday. I want to go to the Saturday games first, guys. Of course, you had the Bills winning the AFC East, uh, defeating the Broncos 48-19. And you had the Packers, who's still trying to get the number one seed. They defeated the Panthers 24-16. The only thing I uh, took away from these two games from last Saturday, um, at last Saturday, both these teams are Super Bowl contenders, no doubt, but more from Buffalo. They're well, a more more well-balanced team. And I, if you guys listened to the NFL preview show back in September, I picked the Bills to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. We all thought they would have tr- uh, some type of trouble going to that um, mile-high altitude climbing endeavor, but they went in there and dominated, and they did what they had to do. First time, yeah. so first time since 95, the Bills have won AFC East. Sid and I were not in high school yet. Lamont was probably just <laughs> Lamont was probably just barely out of high school, or he's probably still in high school. Yeah, in '95. Yeah, so that's 
So, I mean, look, Josh Allen, look, I think he's making a, 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 you know, a final push for, the, for MVP. I mean, had two rushing mm-hmm. touchdowns, you know, no interceptions, threw for 359 yards. I mean, we all thought that maybe the altitude would probably get to him and the, and the Bills a little bit. No, they look really good. Stephon Diggs, you know, thank goodness that, in, that knee injury is not serious. So that that that's good. You know, if you're a Bills fan, you should be breathing a little sigh of relief. Also, Cole Beasley, both over, both over 100 yards. Oh, yes. He Lamont's is, guy. Yeah, that's Lamont's guy. So yes. uh, the defense, you know, Tremaine Emmons, I mean, you know, eight tackles. You know, Jordan Poyer do, did his thing too. You know, Mario Addison. I mean, that that look, that's a very balanced team. And should it get to the point where they play the Chiefs, you know, in the AFC in the playoffs, who knows? You, you, you know what I took from them two games? Both teams with comparable quarterbacks won. Back to our risky situation. You look at the quarterbacks who they got out there. You got two MVP candidates that won games. You got, you know, Rodgers. You got Allen. And then I think, like, Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo made all the difference in the world. Giving him somebody to throw the ball to that was true and top-notch made a a, a great, great, great difference. So Buffalo going to be hard to beat. And I wonder if Buffalo played anywhere other than Buffalo with people knowing. If they was, like, in L.A. or New York, so to speak. They're in New York, but they're not in New York. They're kind of Canada. But if Buffalo... In a major market, I think Allen would be getting a lot more attention and a lot more votes, and people would know who they are. And even that defense, people would know who they players is on that defense. See, they're one of those teams that might send five people to the Pro Bowl, and you'd be like, who? Who made the Pro Bowl? But they would be coming from Buffalo because they got a bunch of good pieces. Take a look at the rest of the Week 15 action. Let's focus in on last Sunday's games. We'll start with the one in Atlanta, the Falcons. They blow another big lead, this time to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Excuse me, 31-27. to 27. Tom Brady, 31-45 to 45 with 390 yards and two touchdowns. Leonard Fournette had two big rushing touchdowns in that second half. Calvin Ridley was the only player that showed up for the Atlanta Falcons. He had 10 catches for 163 yards and a touchdown. I did watch the majority of this game via my computer, mm-hmm. and that first half was a nightmare for Tampa Bay. And I actually watched the NFL on Fox halftime report from, from that game, and both Michael Strahan and Tony Gonzalez said this. Where was the sense of urgency for Tampa Bay? They were really caught off guard. They had to get a jump start somehow, and they did in the second half. And Tom, Tom Brady was missing guys in that first half, it was definitely some miscommunication there, but whatever happened in that locker room with Bruce Arians, that head coach, and Tom Brady, whatever happened, they turned it around that second half. Even when Atlanta scored uh, their only touchdown in the second half after that Leonard Fournette touchdown to start the third quarter, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put that pedal to the metal, and they, they could have folded the team, but they just decided to respond like the team they were supposed to uh, be uh, all year. You know – I think these slow starts ain't, uh, you know, ain't unusual for Tampa Bay. They that's mm-hmm. how we they start off slow. They just happen to run against a team that can't hold teams off, and I think that's mm-hmm. the only reason they won yesterday. Even though Brady set a record pretty much with the most passing yards in the second half or something like that, but it's no. I think 
they just happened to get the right team and it allowed them to make that type of a comeback because Tampa Bay starts slow because they're still missing some pieces and they relied on fear. I think if you go in there and you play them and you're not scared of the names that they're throwing at you and the what if he throw the mic? What if he throw to Antonio? What if he throw to uh, Gronk? You know, if you go in there not scared, and you, you can hit him in the head. And I think what happens, you just got to hold off that second half adjustment that they make. Like you mentioned, Bruce Arian probably cussed him out. And you got to hold off that second half adjustment. And yesterday, the team that was supposed to hold him off ain't held off nobody all year. So I would like to see them try that. That's why I think they've been upset after the game so much. I would like to see them try that against really any other team that's in playoff contention. Because yeah. remember, they couldn't, they couldn't do it against us. And our defense show up when they want to. <laughs> I, that's true. I mean, like, look, I mean, I saw a little bit of that game, too. And I'm like, ah, you know what? The, I'm not worried about the Bucs. You know, they'll, they'll get to Atlanta. And, <clears throat> and sure enough, they did. Pardon me. So, you know, look, I'm sure both, both areas and, and Brady, I'm sure they both cussed them out, cussed the team out. And they were sort of, you know, kicking into gear. You know, you, you feel good for Antonio Brown, who scored the game, the go-ahead touchdown. <clears throat> Excuse me, yeah. but but you know what? Though, try doing that in the playoffs. They're not going to be able to do that if they end up playing a Seattle. If they end up playing, you know, maybe Washington. I mean, you know, try try that against one of those teams. You're not going to be able to get out of that hole. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the first time since 2008, and for the second time in 20 years. The New England Patriots will not, I repeat, will not participate in the playoffs. You ask why? Here's why they they dropped to six and eight after another loss this time to their division rival Miami Dolphins, twenty-two to twelve. The Dolphins improved to nine and five, and they are on the doorstep of clinching one of those three AFC wild card spots. Cam Newton, or some people call Scam Newton, seventeen of twenty-seven, two hundred and nine yards. Savon Ahmed, the running back for the Miami Dolphins, he had twenty-three carries for one hundred twenty-two yards and a touchdown. And Jacoby Myers was only a few breakout stars for the Patriots this year. He had seven catches for 111 yards. I did watch some of this game live via my computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned, Lakina, all year with some, with some of these games, it, it was an ugly 9-6, 12-7 type games. This is – uh, this is the style that New England likes, to be honest with you. The Miami Dolphins uh, held them off. Xavier Howard had another great uh, inter- uh, turnover uh, interception again uh, on Sunday. That Miami de- defense is for real. Tua Tungvalova, after a, a bad start, he, uh, he scored a, a touchdown late to help seal that win for the Dolphins. Uh, call me crazy. I'm not saying they're Super Bowl contenders yet. Give head coach Brian Flores credit, but – I would not want to play them in the first round. Th- these are the type of teams that can scare you if, and sneak out with a win in the playoffs. Yeah, but the Patriots, they make the playoffs, but don't try to blame that on Cam. The Patriots kind of suck. They death chart weak. They they have no team. They, you know, that starts with your head coach, Bill Belichick, or Belichick. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't feel bad for them in any way. Y'all have y'all BS the system for 20 years, man. Come on. I'm okay with them with uh, the – how did he put it? The uh, crows coming home to roost, as they say. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with all of that, man. 
and, and but don't try to blame it on Cam, man. Cam ain't got nobody to throw to, hand to, and the defense said we're not playing this year. So they, so yeah, no. I mean, it, they where they supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, look, Cam's not to blame here. Yes, Cam, you know, had a couple of fumbles and was sacked three times, but I'm not going to – don't blame him. He's not the reason, not the, the main reason. I mean, they have no defense this year, as Lamont just said. You know, a lot of their guys – their top guys opted out. Stephon Gilmore probably will sit out the rest of the season, too. He yeah, he, he got hurt uh, on Sunday. That was bad. Yeah, but he avoided major injury, though. But if you're him, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, you know what, I'll, I'll sit out the rest of the year. He was the only, like, named guy on their defense that actually played this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, you know, the Dolphins look really good. I mean, you know, Ahmed, like you said, said you have a, over 122 yards. Like, I really like his style of running. I mean, look, will they make the playoffs? Look, they got a tough schedule. They're their last, they're next, the last couple of games. So, you know, they play the, the they got to go on the road both, both, you know, both these next, next two weeks get the Raiders and the Bills. So we'll see where the Bills are at that point. They may sit some guys. But look, look, we look, we had Spiro Diaz on a few months ago, and he was you know called a lot of those games, you know, for the Dolphins last season. He said mm-hmm. the foundation is there, and Brian Flores you know has set that foundation, and they look really good so far. So I mean, could they maybe you know they could probably contend for the AFC East next season if they can make some more moves? I believe they can. Let's take a look at another early game from Sunday. The Seattle Seahawks defeated the Washington football team 20-15. to This was an ugly game to start. I did watch some of this game via my computer. <laughs> uh, the Seahawks, they, they, they did enough uh, to win. As we picked our games in our last uh, podcast, Lakino, over the, over the weekend, I said that the Washington could keep it close, but Seattle would do enough to win. Seattle has lost only two games on the West Coast's on the East Coast, rather, since 2017. Chris Carson had a big game for Seattle, 15 carries, uh, 63 yards. But it was Carlos Hyde's big run, uh, 50-yard touchdown run to start the second half for the Seahawks. And he uh, carried uh, the Seahawks' offense to start that second half. Seattle got out of of D.C. with an important win. Yeah, I mean – that defense, man, Washington, when Washington get them a quarterback and, and, they, and they may come from the Eastern uh, – may come from their own division next year. So when they get them a quarterback, Washington going to be something to deal with, man. Like, no one wants to play Washington. No one wants to play Washington. Seattle escaped, but no one wants to play them. And, and I look forward to see where Washington going to go. Like, they one of the exciting teams. I hope they get a name. I don't. I don't like calling them the Washington Football Team. I still got a Redskins uh, mm-hmm. hoodie and hat, and I, <laughs> I, 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 I proudly. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, Dwayne Haskins had two interceptions. I mean, it, it's sort of one of those things where if you're a Washington fan, you're probably saying to yourself, "Crap!" If Alex Smith had, you know, wasn't banged up, they probably would have, you know, pulled off the upset. Probably would have won that game, but. Look, Seattle did just nothing enough to win. These sort of slug it out games are sort of their style still. So, you know, look, I know I picked Washington, but I knew it was going to be close. So, you know, Seattle clinched the playoff berth once again and could very well end up, you know, clinching the NFC West. 
Okay, and your your winners from the early games from Sunday were Baltimore, the Colts, and the Titans in a high scoring affair, defeating the Detroit Lions forty six to twenty five. Now let's get to the late games. Let's review a couple of them. Let's start off with those Los Angeles Rams, Lakina. Uh, they uh, they lost to the now um, one and thirteen New York Jets twenty three to to 20 in L.A. Jared Goff, 22 of 34 for 29 yards and two touchdowns. Cam Akers had 15 carries for 63 yards for the Rams. Tyler Higby had 67 yards on four receptions in a touchdown. Robert Woods, their wide receiver, had a rushing touchdown as well. But the New York Jets, their defense set the tone from the word go. And let's be honest here, the Rams took the Jets lightly. They, the Rams tried to get back into the game late, but they got caught with their pants down. Both literally, oh. both literally and figuratively, apparently. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, look, they got caught. Look, they, like you said, so they got caught looking ahead. They play Seattle next uh, on this coming Sunday. I mean, that's gonna be for the NFC West division title. Oh no doubt, and they probably got caught looking ahead. And look, Sean McVay, mm-hmm. you know, to his credit, admits that you know, yeah, my guys, you know, they kind of took the Jets lightly. So if you're a Jets fan, you're probably not very happy because you know now Jacksonville's got the tie right now, has the tie break right now, so. You know, for for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, but I, I, I when we do our picks later on, I expect the Rams defense, especially Aaron Donald, will not be in a very good mood. Again, we'll get to them in a second. So, yeah, they got yeah. This is one of those games where you're gonna look back and say, okay, how the heck did we do that? So, look, the only thing you can do if you're a Rams fan, if you're the Rams, just you know, rip, just burn the tape and you know, press on to your next two games. You got two divisional games you know, these, these last two weeks. So try to win them and try to uh, not only clinch the division, clinch the playoffs, but clinch the division. You know, uh, like you said, they not even burn the tape. Just treat it, treat it like everything else in 2020 that's bad. Blame it on COVID. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> and just let it go. And like you say, prepare for them next two games because it's obvious somebody didn't wake up on the right side of the bed and, and, and pay attention. So it happens. And it's a- yeah, if you yeah, if you're a New York Jets fan, you had to be torn in two places. Yes, I'm sure you're happy that your team has finally won a game, but you want Trevor Lawrence, as you mentioned, Lakina. Jacksonville owns the tiebreaker. Uh, and I was listening to some New York sports radio this morning before we started recording today. Actually, it was the Jets flagship station. I don't know if we can free advertise here, but. You can guys go Google yourselves who, who the Jets flagship station is in New York City. But uh, I listened to a cu- this host, and this host was saying that he's a Jets fan, but you probably screwed up your chances of getting a high-profile coach, assuming that you don't uh, draft Trevor Lawrence. And a couple of calls that I heard on this particular show, they, they were very angry. Now, does it represent all Jets fans? Probably not, but I'm sure of these two callers that I, that I listened to they represent a lot of Jets fans for them winning on Sunday against the Rams. <laughs> we probably not going to get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you still need to fix the team, but uh, the hope for, a, I'm not going to say a quick turnaround, but uh turnaround sooner rather than later is probably now gone as of this moment. Yeah. They, uh, what they could probably do if, if, if they end up losing it, if they end up losing it or even winning it, <laughs> you know, they, they might want to look at moving it. You know, if they say, I mean, if they lose it, they might want to move their second pick and try to get more players. But uh, Jacksonville has put themselves in a position to beat the Bears. That's all that's going to happen. 
Jacksonville gonna beat the Bears, and the New York Jets will be happy again, and all the <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> no! Oh. Yeah, yeah, you're a Bears fan. Yes, that's what you want. <laughs> Speaking of stellar quarterbacks, the Arizona Cardinals have a one-game lead over the Chicago Bears after the, defeating the Philadelphia Eagles 33-26. to The Cardinals are now 8-6, and six, while Philadelphia drops their record to 4-9. and nine. This was a very good game to watch. Lakina, I did watch this game in its entirety via my computer. <laughs> Kyler Murray, uh, after struggling early, came up big uh, in the late stages, 27-36 for 406 yards and three touchdown passes. DeAndre Hopkins... Uh, if you're a Houston, Texas fans, you, sh uh, you should be angry for now ex-head coach and ex-GM Bill O'Brien getting rid of him in the offseason. He had another big game yesterday, nine receptions for 169 yards and a touchdown. Larry Fitzgerald had a, a phenomenal catch uh, to start the game for the Cardinals for their first touchdown. It was tremendous. Arizona had to hold on at the end. But on the, on the flip side, Jalen Hurts, uh, he looked good once again. If you're Carson Wentz, even though you signed that contract before the start of last season, uh, your days in Philadelphia are, are pretty much numbered. I, I, I watched a little bit of that game, too. Oh, sorry, Lamont, but I watched a little bit of that game, too, Sid. I mean, look, you know, both Murray and Hopkins over, overcame, like, early mistakes, you know, early fumbles that they were – they bounced back and, you know, 169 receiving yards for Hopkins, you know, caught a touchdown pass. You know, they kept the chase moving. It was actually Arizona's defense, I think, was, you know, kick it more impressive. You know, Dennis Gedrick had mm -hmm. two more had uh, two more sacks. You know, Hassan Reddick had another sack, too. So, mm -hmm. their defense is playing better. And Mike Nugent actually made, you know, field goals. Yay! You know, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, Zane, look, Zane Gonzalez is hurt. I, I think it's – I'm using air quotes because I don't think that's the case. You know, that might be – you know, Cliff Kingsbury's a little, you know, creative that way. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know – invented that injury but look Jalen Hurts looked really good too I mean if he can kind of get you know more guys around him besides Alshon Jeffrey I, I think look there are already reports that maybe uh, Carson Wentz isn't very happy that he's sitting but uh, you know yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens and, and Carson Wentz say he don't want to be a backup I'm not a backup I'm a superstar but that that game in general um that game and I was watching it with a, a couple of people I think it's starting to show the changing of the guard a little bit in the NFL. I mean, you look who went against each other. You had Kyla against Jalen. And if you look around the league, I, I, I think the number, like, what we got, 32 out of the 32 games, I think we had about 10 quarterbacks that were of minority. And you, you look at the way the league is moving, and you look at our Chicago Bears, we wasn't one of those teams that started one of those quarterbacks, by the way. But maybe <laughs> is 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 moving towards a quarterback like a Jalen Hurts that sees and it's not that so he take off or a la Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson. All of these names are people that could have been in Chicago. So when I look at that, it makes me wonder what type of future we have in Chicago saying we don't have a quarterback on our radar nowhere unless we're going to bring in a great Carson Wentz since it looks like he may be on the move. So looking at all of that, that's kind of the conclusion I came to. Like, will we take on that contract and believe in Carson Wentz, especially with the he might know Matt Nagy. 
if we keep that negative. So it remains to be seen. But yeah, that was an interesting. Thing. And 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 the people in Houston should be still upset about losing. Why they couldn't trade them to the Bears? We would have gave them the whole running back staff. You could have had Montgomery. And Foot. <laughs> you could have had Montgomery and Patterson for uh, Hopkins. <laughs> We was giving you more and a pick, probably, you know, but they didn't send him here. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that he's showing everybody that he still was one of the top receivers in the game. And I think he he like he cracked a hundred yards every game. I haven't checked the statistics, but every time he run on the field, it's like he cracking a hundred yards. So yeah, I mean, that's 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 pretty bad, man. But overall, yeah, I think it's it's gonna be some changes happening in the NFL when it comes to that position. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lamont Scott and Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. So we continue to talk NFL breakdown, the key games from Week 15. Before we get to our studs and duds, let's break down this last game. Speaking of stellar quarterbacks, Lamont, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, hold on to beat the New Orleans Saints 32-29. to Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City, 254 yards passing and three touchdown passes. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire before his Ugly injury. Thank goodness is now is only a high angle sprain. We all thought it was much worse. Thank goodness is not. He had 14 carries for 79 yards. Tyreek Hill had a big game as well. Lakina, I'll start with you. Even though Kansas City is not as dominant as they were a year ago, do you still think they're the team to be in the AFC? I think they're one of. I think Buffalo is okay. kind of right there on par with them now. Look, it, look, this is sort of one I of think those, so, too. I think there's kind of like this was back, you know, not that back and forth this year, but this is sort of like, you know, the Saints made it interesting, you know, later on. But, you know, you could tell them not having Mike Thomas. That played a huge factor there. And, you know, it was it was it, it was Breeze's first game back. You know, you could tell he was a little, still a little bit off. It'll probably like take him a game or two. But, look, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's showing you why he's the reigning MVP. And, you know, thankfully, you know, Hilarious injury is not serious. You know, praise the Lord. I mean, Travis Kelsey did his thing. You know, Tyreek Hill did his thing. I mean, the defense is just enough to slow the Saints down. And, you know, I think I think are the Chiefs the team to beat? I think they're one of. I don't think they're the, the, the team to beat right this second. If you ask me, I would pick Buffalo. I'll be honest. Well, whoever you pick, Lakina, that's who they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl because <laughs> the Saints are the team to beat. And the Saints, mm, it could have beat them. Almost should have beat them. It was, a, it was a few questionable situations in there. And when we get to our studs and does, I'm going to bring up another gentleman's name. But at the same time, uh, yeah, the Saints are the team to beat in the NFC. And that could be your Super Bowl matchup right there if they can get past your Buffalo Bills because I don't think no one's respecting Buffalo like they should. And I think Buffalo's defense has what it takes to knock Kansas City out of that top spot if need be because Pittsburgh looked like they went on vacation and they haven't come back yet. But you know, <laughs> if they when they come back, you know, they'll have, they'll, they'll have a fight. They'll be in the fight when they come back back some type of a fight but yeah buffalo may can't pull that off because i think they're physical enough and uh allen got enough arm to make it happen um i didn't get a chance to catch the the, the entire broadcast lamont i know tony we uh, we always joke with you about dick stockton but uh how did you like tony romo's commentary uh from sunday because we, we all know that he's on that patrick mahomes bandwagon yeah, rightfully but- so Tony Romo, that's his man crush. Tony Romo. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Romo did every, every play, every 
Look at how he tossed that. Look, he threw that ball quicker than any other. <laughs> I'm like, my man, he good. The only good comment he made all day to me. I mean, he's great. I love him. I love to listen to him just to learn from him. But when he said the Saints are uh, fast enough to keep up with the Chiefs, and that was smart. Because they are when they're all there and when they're playing with their heads in the game. And they're all there to do that. So, yeah, I think we might have was looking at our Super Bowl matchup. And I love to hear, you know, what people have to say about that and what's, what they think about that. Because, you know, the Chiefs got away again. Yeah, you know, CBS will have the Super Bowl this year from Tampa. So you'll get Romo and Nance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's All right, man. Lakina. <laughs> All right, Lakina. Suds and dust from week fifteen. We'll start with you. Oh, well, I already did my. I already told you guys my first first studs. The Buffalo Bills. You know their first AFC East you know, division title since '95. Like I said before, they're balanced. You know, all around on offense and defense. Especially, he's actually pretty good too. So I think they're one of. They're right there with KC as a team that beats in the AFC. Overall, um, of course, you know, the Tennessee Titans in particular, once again, Mr. Derrick Hendry, another 147 yards rushing, another touchdown. I mean, scored 46 points. They actually lead the league in points overall, the Titans do. I don't think a lot of people know that, but that's true. I mean, they are, they do lead the league. I mean, they're one step closer to uh, the clinch in the, uh, the playoffs. Um, and one more, I mean, Arizona. I mean, you know what? Not even Arizona. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to pick the Jets. The Jets, you know what? They've been, you know, they were, they've been close a couple of times. And look, Sam Darnold didn't make any mistakes. You know, Frank Gore, the Angels wonder, had a touchdown, you know, between him and Larry Fitzgerald. And, you know, they're all, they're the same age. They're both the same age. So you see them still playing and still playing at a high level. So, they'll, you know, those are, those are my studs. Lakina, uh, uh, great man, think alike. Because I definitely had chose to congratulate, you know, Buffalo. And I definitely chose the New York Jets for finally getting it done and showing you that, you know, they're not on 16 team. And they had got the second one. Mm -hmm. And the third one, I gave it to uh, Jalen Hurts because they said he couldn't do it twice. And he had. And if he do it three times, that may solidify Mr. Winston's future in Philadelphia. So I'm looking forward to see, is the third time a charm or is it a curse? So Jalen Hurts slash, you know, Kyler Murray had, you know, just to see them two battle was great. And, and if you throwing like some bonus stuff in, that wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson, yeah. Who, yeah, who went passed over for about a couple of teams. They may live to regret that. My bonus set is Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. You guys mentioned it before, so that's my bonus set. My, my three studs are Tom Brady from Tampa Bay, 390 yards and two touchdown passes, and they went over Atlanta. My second stud is Salvan Ahmed, the running back from Miami. He had 122 yards and a touchdown. And David Montgomery, yes, I think it's the first time I've given a Chicago Bear a stud all season long. David Montgomery, the running back from the Bears, 32 carries, 146 yards, and two big touchdown runs. His best game, clearly, of the season, his best game, personally, of his career. So those are my three studs. 
I would give I'll give him a golf clap too. I mean, look, I yeah. I rag on I rag on the Bears a lot, but I look, I told people, I said, look, they got a really good guy here with you know David Montgomery. I mean, you saw if you saw his if you know his story, his backstory is fascinating. Look, he slept it out over at Iowa State. You know, he's bringing that mentality to the Bears now. So, you know, good for him. And, yeah, good for him. Yeah. All right. You know, on the flip side, Duds. Uh, Duds, Los Angeles Rams. Got caught, you know, looking ahead to uh, Seattle there next week, kids. Agree. Yeah, come on. That's the the only explanation I can think of as to why, you know, y'all looked ahead. You know, y'all should have beaten the Jets pretty handily. Just saying. Um, Atlanta, no one blows leads, big leads against Tom Brady like the Atlanta Falcons. You know, once again, look, I know Raheem Morris, he'll probably get, you know, looked at for the, for the job, but they need to, they really need to shore up that defense. They really, they really do. I mean, yes, it just, just, you know, giving up all those big plays to Brady and them late. It just, just, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what else to say at this point. Um, well, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll be <laughs> my last dud. I mean, it, it's really hard to give another dud. I mean, you kind of expected some of this stuff. I mean, I guess, I guess I'll give myself the dud because I thought that that San Francisco Dallas game would be terrible. It actually ended up being one of the more entertaining games of the slate. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give myself the dud for saying, and Sid knows this, you guys listen back to the Friday's podcast. I pretty much said this was going to be a dull game. It wasn't, you know, Dallas pulled it out, you know, a little Dalton to Dalton, you know, combo a couple of times, you know, it meant nothing, but sort of goes back to back in the day when these, these games, these, between these two teams actually meant something. Yeah, San Francisco could not exercise the onside kick. Oh, gosh, yes. Ugh, that was terrible. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. That's why they get the first dud of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no way San Francisco's supposed to lose. San Francisco, yes, you said it wasn't going to be entertaining. It was entertaining, but they still were supposed to beat Dallas, really. So they get the first one. The second one, uh, Cam Jordan. (laughs) 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 You're a leader, brother. You're one of the leaders on that. You are the leader on that defense. They needed you. They didn't need that. And not only that, you got to set an example for some of those young ones that's looking up to you, brother. And, and we love you to death, but yes, you know better, and you shouldn't have. Even though it may have been some questionable situations happening beforehand that they was missing, and you might have had an attitude because they kept missing and they kept getting away with certain things, you still got to rise above and be better than that, brother. You got a lot of people that look up to you and believe in you, so we expect more out of you, sir. He should, know, he should know better. They should know yeah. better. It's just that simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the last one, uh, the New York Jets. I don't know how a team get a stud. They're a dud, but they get it from you this time. <laughs> oh, my God. It ain't no way. Um, I think that'll be the first in history of this show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. You, yes. He, they get the stud and the dud. The dud because if it was a chance that I thought I was winning that game, I would have called a bad play. I'm just being honest with you. I would have sent, uh, man, Larry Lujak replaced uh, Hot Flyer Jackson over there, and uh, <laughs> we, we, we putting we putting we put we putting uh, you know Jersey Joe Jackson at quarterback, and that's what we gonna do. And I would have rather taken the backlash of 
why did you make those calls? Then the backlash of what the H is wrong with you. <laughs> like you like you mentioned earlier, if you gonna take the chance on missing the quarterback and the coach, it, it ain't just like you missing the quarterback. You missing the quarterback and the coach if you don't get it right. Oh yeah, I would have sent I would have sent my third round quarterback out of uh, somebody state undrafted out there quarterback. <laughs> And that second half or something, but I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have done everything I could to win the game. And if you could say that's bad integrity, and now I would have been coaching. I'm giving the young boys a shot. In the press, only team. have one. Yeah, only have one dud for this week, and that's the New York Football Giants. Of course, we all picked Cleveland to win their Sunday night matchup, which they did comfortably, twenty to six. But the New York Football Giants, they screwed up last week in putting in Daniel Jones. He clearly was not right in their loss against Arizona. And Colt McCoy was the starting quarterback. That Giants offense looked lifeless. Uh, um, there, I, I don't think they're going to win the NFC East now, and they sure as hell is not going to get a wild card spot. So you can throw dirt on them for 2020. Oh yeah, totally. That's del- it's definitely between Washington and Philly now. I think for that yeah. division. Yeah, and if Jalen Hurts lead Philly to the division, oh look what them papers going to say in Philly. They're going to look. They're going to get rid of the coach and the quarterback. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you listen. You listen to Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Sydney Brown and Lamont Scott. I am Lakina McGee. All right, still so still got a lot to do, folks. So where do you guys want to, you know, venture off to next? Do you guys want to do our picks? Do you guys want to do a little college football championship Saturday? Uh, Lamont, we'll we'll leave it up to you, Lamont. You want to do we, our NFL picks to get them out we, the way, we, or switch to football <laughs> college? Since we're in the NFL, we can stay with the NFL and we can run through the picks and okay. uh, get them out the way. That way we can fuss about the college football decisions that were made. Sounds good. Okay. All right, let's do our picks then. All right, so let me get them up here. You think I would have had them up already, but sorry, that's my bad. Candy, <laughs> you have to mark me in as we go. Okay. You well, you're, we're record we're recording this, so you know you're you're on record, so no worries. All right, we got a Christmas matchup for you. This is actually you know, pretty cool. It's, it's going to be on Fox, NFL Network, and also streaming on Amazon Prime, for those of you who have Amazon Prime. Um, the Vikings and the Saints. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Yes. <laughs> I'm going with the Saints. You should go with the Saints, Sid, because you're going to get an angry Cam Jordan and a Drew Brees that people said wasn't ready. I don't think Minnesota gonna be ready. It's gonna be a whole, 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 whole beat up going on. <laughs> yeah, they might. Yeah, I think the Saints are gonna take it out on uh, Minnesota because I think they're really gonna feel like they should have won that game against the Chiefs yesterday. And I think you know Bree's gonna be much better. Um, and I don't think Mike Thomas is gonna be able to. You know, they may sit him out to the playoffs. That's probably what they're gonna do. So I think the Saints are gonna win it. You know, pretty handily. All right, Saturday games, triple header here. First off, you got the Bucks and the Lions. Ain't no magic in Detroit. <laughs> Tom <laughs> Ain't no magic. Maybe it might be Matt Stafford on his way out, which he shouldn't be, but they might dump him, but he shouldn't be. I would take him. I still think he got game left. I'm going with Tampa. 
Tampa, same thing here. All right, and a tree run here. Now, a special note here. This is actually only going to be streamed on Amazon Prime, this next game, which is kind of silly, but, you know, it is what it is. In the NFC West, you got the 49ers and the Cardinals. I know the Bears are chasing the Cardinals, but I, I trust Arizona will get a win here, so I'm going with Arizona. Me too, because I've been riding Arizona all year. I can't quit on them now, especially after San Francisco. Just let me down? Stop it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fight. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, San Francisco is still shorthanded. I think they were worn out. They'll probably be worn out, especially since technically this is going to be like a home and home since they're playing in Arizona. Got to play in Arizona anyway. So, but I think Arizona will just enough. They know they got to keep winning, you know, to get that playoff spot. So I've been riding Arizona all year. I'm going to keep doing it, Arizona, but in a close one. All right, the Saturday night tilt here. You got the you got the Dolphins and the Las Vegas Raiders. I actually got it right. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm going yeah. with the Dolphins. I don't know if Derek Carr is going to play or not. And I, I got to agree with you, Sid, because I've given up on the Raiders. They let me down too many times. I want Baltimore to get in, so I need the Dolphins to lose one of these next two games. Um, I'm going to pick the Raiders. Mario looked really good. And look, the Raiders actually still have a shot, although a very long shot, but they still have a shot. They know they got to they gotta keep winning. So I think the Raiders somehow pull off the upsets. Well, it's going to be close, but I think they're going to pull off the upsets. All right. First of our Sunday slate, you got the Panthers and Washington. Um. I'm going with Washington, even though they don't have a quarterback or whoever's quarterbacking, because I believe that the Washington defense can stop whatever Carolina's attempting to do on offense. Yeah, I'm going with Washington as well. Even though Carolina does not play like their record, is going to be a, a close and tough game, but I'm going with Washington. They got the division title in sight. Yeah, this is going to be one of those, those uh, slug it out, you know, type games. So, I am going to – I'm going to also going to pick uh, Washington. All right. Okay, a good one here on CBS. You got the Colts and the Steelers. I'm going with Pittsburgh. Mm. I won't mm. – I don't see it. They've been playing like a JV team. But uh, I'm going to take them. I'm going to take the Steelers because they got the, the better coats, I'm going to say. Uh, gosh, this is going to be a tough one. But I'm going to, you know, you know what? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll pick Pittsburgh. If this, it was in Indy, I'll probably pick Indy. But since it's going to be in Pittsburgh, I'll, I'll go ahead and pick the Steelers. <laughs> and, and because they lost so many and they, they need it, that's another reason I went with Pittsburgh to Lucana. So I feel you. I feel you. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Falcons and Chiefs. Next up. Next. <laughs> you right. Yeah, exactly. All yeah, Kansas next. City. Next. <laughs> next. 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 All right. Uh, <laughs> look, we're all going to pick the Chiefs. I, I'm sure. I'm now, sure. You know what? If Atlanta win this game, I promise you the NFL is fixed. That's all I'm going to say. Ain't no any given Sunday. You cannot tell me that that Falcon defense can hold off 31 trick plays in a game. No. Uh, yes. Uh, ain't no any given Sunday this week. No. <laughs> Probably another example here. You got the Bengals and the Texans. <sighs> Houston. I'm going with Houston. I'll say Houston, too. I mean, the Bengals, they don't have a quarterback right now. So, 
All right, Giants and Ravens. Oh, we didn't get Lamont's pick. Oh, Lamont. Oh, I said Houston. No, he said Houston. He okay. said Houston. <laughs> okay. All right, moving on. Uh, Giants and Ravens. Baltimore. Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, easily. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, an intriguing one here. You got the Browns and the Jets. Hmm. Mirror, lightning don't strike twice. That's all I will say. The Jets, the Jets, look, the Jets, especially now, watch they play like they don't have a reason to win. Now they're going to do it. I'm taking Cleveland, man. That's crazy. They, I'm still upset at them from last week. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland has to go back to New York again. Uh, it won't be a problem. They'll probably end up staying there through the holiday, so I'm, but I'm going with the Browns. Yeah, it, it, I think they talking about Baker Mayfield for MVP now, too. People talking like Baker Mayfield is the greatest thing since they saying he's better than Josh Allen. Stop playing. I don't know <laughs> what's wrong with <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I would kind of slow down on that talk. But, uh, yeah, I think the, the Browns, will, they got this. I mean, you know, yeah. unless the Jets somehow, you know, pull the other rabbit out of their hats. But, you know. But you've we'll seen them – you see the comments that uh, the coach and the quarterback have from the Jets, like, you know, we play to win. We 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 play to win. Oh yeah, look, uh, look, don't be surprised. I would be surprised though if somehow the Jets pull it off. Not saying they will, but I wouldn't be surprised. I would. I'm, I'm quite sure the owner came downstairs and said, if y'all win another game, it's gonna be problems and repercussions in this locker room. So, <laughs> They counting on Jacksonville to beat the Bears right now. That's that's what they count on. <laughs> All right, a, a battle of the five and nine teams. You got the Broncos and the Chargers. Denver. Where that game at? Los Angeles. Uh, I'm going with I'm going with uh, the, the rookie. I'm going with the quarterback over there with the Chargers. I think the Chargers too. I, I, I just, yeah. For some reason, yeah. I mean, they're actually playing better now. So I'm, of he course, uh, yeah. Job too. He needed yeah. job. Yeah. He coaching for job. So, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, me too. All right, NFC East here: Eagles and Cowboys. <laughs> Boy, if you if you if you are Fox, uh, you're not sending Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to this game, mm -hmm. given how both teams are bad this year. <laughs> with that being said, I'm going with Philadelphia. What where, where would you where are you gonna send them to? Uh, who else playing on Fox this week? Where are you gonna send them to? Uh, we'll send them to the next game. They Lakina is gonna uh, preview in just a second. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so you and where that game is in Dallas? Yep. Yes. Man, you know what? I'm gonna roll it down. I'm going with Philly. I pick Philly too. I'm going with Hurts. I'm going with Hurts, showing him that he's an NFL quarterback. I'll pick Philly too. I mean, look, they need to sort of stay, you know, within the grass of Washington. So yeah, I think look, Dallas has an outside shot too. So this is basically the elimination, you know, playoff elimination game. So I would pick uh, the Eagles because they just they're just a little bit better. Yeah. All right. This is probably, yeah, to answer your question, Lamont, this is probably where um, Joe, Troy, and Aaron Andrews are going to be, they're going to send them to the Rams and the, and the Seahawks. Very likely for the NFC West. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going, I'm going, where's that, Seattle? Yep. Yes. I'm going with Seattle then because Aaron Donald going to be mad and all, but I'm going with Seattle at home in the rain. 
<sighs> Call uh, me crazy, but uh, I'm going with the Rams. You're not crazy. You just made a bad pick. That's all. Uh, well, I guess I'm gonna make. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna make a bad pick too. I'm gonna pick the Rams too. I mean, look, they got the better of them their first meet a couple of weeks ago. They gave you the for, you know, they got the format how to slow down Russell Wilson. Aaron Donald is not gonna be in a very good mood. After yeah. what happened, you know, they're not going to, the team as a whole will probably not be in a very good mood either. So they're going to take it out on the Seahawks. And look, there are no fans there. So they don't have to worry, have to deal with the fans. So that helps them too. So I'm going to pick the Rams. Why are you on Seattle? Did you see that uh, post-game celebration from uh... <laughs> Jamal Adams? Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame, look. I don't blame him for being excited. Look, I don't blame him. I mean, this is gonna be his first time in the playoffs. So the, the exciting part ain't when I'm laughing. I'm laughing at the part where he said, "By now, I've been to send my cars home, <laughs> golf like, courses, and going off to the islands or something." So Nelsie said, <laughs> he, he, "We messed up his. We messed up his holiday, huh?" <laughs> oh, but I'm sure he's happy to do it too. Another yeah, good. No, yeah, another good one here in the Sunday nighter. You got the Titans and the Packers. Mm. I'm in, going with Green Bay. It's in Tennessee or Green Bay? Green Bay. Lambeau. Mm. You know what? I don't think they can stop Derrick Henry. And since Tennessee leads the league in points, they make and keep up with Aaron Rodgers. I am going with the Tennessee Titans to go to Lambeau and win that game. If this was in Tennessee, I probably would give it to the Titans, but this is going to be a very high-scoring game. Don't be surprised Don't be surprised. this is a 38, 35, or 35, yeah, 32. Okay. It's going to be up there, and I'm sure NBC is going to be very happy about that. So, But I'm going to pick the Packers, too. I think they've got a lot more to play for. They're trying to get the number one seed in the NFC, so I'm going to pick the Packers. What's the over-under on that game? I don't think they haven't released it yet. I got to be about 55, 60. We'll take the over, I guess. <laughs> take the over. All right, Monday nights. Now, this was a few years ago, a couple years ago, that I probably would be, if you're in ESPN, you'd probably be happy about this one, but you're probably not this time around. Bills and Patriots. <laughs> Buffalo. Blow even out. though I think, that, yeah, yeah, even though I think Bill Belichick will have his uh, guys competing hard, I'm, I'm going with. I'm going with Buffalo. Yeah, it's just he going to have them competing hard. He just don't have nothing out there to compete with. So <laughs> I'm going with Buffalo, too. It's just the Patriots have all these years have got away with what they got away with, and that's why they don't have a deep roster, and that's what they're suffering from now. But uh, Buffalo uh, should beat them. Uh, Lamont, here's the answer to your question. With that Tennessee Green Bay game, as of right now, the over and under is 55 and a half. Mm-hmm. 35, 30, yeah, yeah, it'll go over. <laughs> <laughs> so you're picking over. the over? You're picking the over? Yeah, I'm going to take the over. All okay. right. All right, cool. Um, I'll pick the Bills here. They, so they're, they're trying to get a number, that number two seed. They may have an outside shot at the number one, so they got to keep winning. They don't have, you know, Patriots don't have a defense, so I'm picking Buffalo, and Josh Allen will probably have another one, you know, 340 for like three or four touchdowns or something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last but not least, Bears and Jags. Uh-oh. We are the Bears. Shuffling crew. Shuffling on down. Doing Stop, it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. 
<laughs> I'm going with the Bears. I'm the clumsy QB known as Mitch. When I throw the ball, they land in the ditch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Oh, God. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. No, uh, but no, I, I'm going to go with the Bears falling their way into a victory and then celebrating that Green Bay probably may lose to Tennessee. So, yeah, the Bears going to be feeling good about that last game. Well, yeah, if, if it ends up being for them to get the number one seed, you probably don't want that. So, but that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. So I'm going to pick the Bears too. They should win this game. They should win this game easily. Will they though? That's a whole nother story. <laughs> that's too much like right. If they do it easy, that's too much like right. That's not, you know, that's not cool if they do it easy. So I don't expect, if they win it, I, they, I'm thinking like 17, 14 or something like that. They're not going to. Dominate. I won't be surprised if that happened. <laughs> oh, I won't. Oh, I'm already, I'm already like calling it. I'm like, it's gonna be a lot closer. <laughs> yeah, because seven, I don't trust them at all. I'm sorry. Twenty-one twenty or something at the Okay. Most. And look, yeah. I would be surprised if the Giants somehow pull it off. I'm not, like I said, I'm not putting out out in the universe, but. I think this is the first time I picked them in like four weeks. I ain't picked the Bears in like four weeks, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they should win it though. All right, so those are week 15 picks here on Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Lamont Scott and Cindy Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. We're going to go to the college gridiron now, a very busy mm -hmm. championship weekend. All yes. right, guys, what are your synopsis? I'll go first. Uh, congratulations to Northwestern, even though they lost in the close on that, like we told you guys on Friday in our last podcast. Uh, they did better than they did two years ago when they lost to Ohio State. Uh, the, we all know Northwest, we're, we're, they need some new recruits to bolster off their offense for next season. We'll get into that as the weeks and days uh, go uh, come ahead. But um, give Northwestern credit in that Big Ten title game. They hung in there with Ohio State. When was the last time an Ohio State team with that type of talent gets shut out of the first half in terms of not scoring a touchdown? Can someone tell me? I don't think so. So we all knew that Northwestern's strength is their defense. Um, their offense, uh, they, it actually looked pretty good in the, in the first two and a half, three quarters, but their quarterback, Ramsey, started to turn the ball over, and Ohio State finally converted one of those turnovers into points, and, and that's what basically happened. So congrats to Ohio State. Congrats to Northwestern. They had a very good year getting to the Big Ten title game. So congratulations to both those schools. Now, the other conference championship games, as I w wished on one part, uh, Clemson whipped that ass of Notre Dame 34-10. to 10. Trevor Lawrence was the difference, 322 yards and two touchdown passes. But Notre Dame somehow got into that college football playoff. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Alabama, uh, I thought that game would be a blowout, but uh, it turned out to be a competitive game with with Florida in the SEC championship game. Uh, Alabama gets by 52-46. to 46. And also, too, uh, Texas A&M, they get by Tennessee 34-13. Oklahoma, they had to hold off a late rally with Iowa State to win the Big 12 title game 27-21. to 21. And Cincinnati uh, uh, gets by Tulsa in the AAC championship game 27-24. to 24. Maybe you could have made an argument, Lakina, uh, between Oklahoma 
or maybe Cincinnati replacing Notre Dame in that college football playoff. I know Notre Dame's good for business. I get that, but they really didn't deserve it. Mm. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, you'll get an argument for me. Go ahead, Lamont. <laughs> no, uh, I can I can slide right into what he's saying. Yes, they they don't. Deserve, I mean, but it's it's not so much as them. And and like you said, we'll get into those in a second. But the games that uh, that uh, back to your Northwestern thing. I didn't want to interrupt you when you were saying that you said that they hope mm-hmm. to get back recruits. It seems like football players don't go to Northwestern though. You know what I'm saying? Even mm-hmm. though they. And it's, it's like they have a good year every 10 years. So a lot of football players don't go to Northwestern. And, and you know, we, we produce doctors and lawyers up out of there. So, but I think more <laughs> needs to go. And uh, with that game, the performance that that boy put on in that game, the Trey Sermon guy, what, what yeah. he had, like three football fields? <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah. And man, yeah. Right, mm. football fields. So when, when you do stuff like that, and, and, and then you look at, what what uh, Alabama did with with them boys with that that uh, that that Smith boy and that Jones kid, you you got and and, and, we, and we don't even talk about the running back. Najee Harris, Najee Harris, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he had a good got game got too. Yep. They got three Heisman people on one offense, so that brings me back to Notre Dame making that college playoff. If Texas A and M only lost is to the greatest team walking. How you going to bump them when they didn't ran through the SEC themselves? I mean, the only team hot is them in the SEC is LSU. Woo! Because they got a quarterback now. But, but yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not right. So, you know, some of the stuff not right. And, and a couple of other, you know, teams that kind of got their head stubbed or overlooked. You mentioned the Indianas and the Coastal Carolinas and, you know, and the Cincinnati. Cincinnati played in some of the worst weather on TV the other night, but they played. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I, I mean that a lot of that, a lot of that got to be worked out. But at the same time, I was impressed with that Ohio State boy. He 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 did he did his thing. He did his thing out of nowhere. Like where has he been? Where has he been all year? <laughs> he's been there, yeah. He's been, he's been there, but I think the good news is is that th- thankfully Sermon was there to kind of pick up the slack because you can tell Justin Fields was a little bit banged up. Um, the most yards yeah. rushing in the Big Ten title game, I mean, you know, 331 yards. I mean, my my God, that that's absurd, you know, for Ohio State. <laughs> it's great, you know, great uh, record that Ohio State has. So look, you give you know Northwest for you know for keeping it close and staying with them, but we thought that talent would win out with Ohio State so and that's what happened um Oregon not bad for an Oregon team that just found out they were going to play play uh the Big 12 title game the Pac-12 title game I should say about this time this is about this time when they found out that they were gonna they were gonna play SC uh look uh, Trey showed that you know two touchdown passes I mean Look, you know, Mario Cristobal has done wonders with that Oregon program. Tyler Shue, mm-hmm. you know, two touchdowns. Anthony Brown also had two touchdown passes as well. Um, you know, their defense actually did, you know, did what they needed to do to kind of slow the Trojans down. You know, the Trojans, you know, Clean Silver's unfortunately picked the wrong day to have his worst game of the season, three interceptions. That's not going to win your championships. And this is why I think a lot of people were not high on USC early on, you know, when they started late. 
So, unfortunately, that's what, <laughs> that's what happened there in that game, that Pac-12 title game, which is actually very entertaining, as it usually is. Oklahoma almost did what they did earlier this season. It's, it's Iowa State. You know, they had a big lead. They almost, you know, gave it back. But, you know what, their defense, which has played better, they did what they needed to do. This is like the, the, their sixth or seventh, you know, Big 12 championship in a row. Uh, not in a row, but overall since it became the Big 12. So, congrats to uh, Lincoln Riley. And the OU and, you know, Spencer Rattler. I mean, you know, this is a guy he'll, he'll probably – he'll be right there next year. So, you know, good for him. Um, uh, Clemson, I mean, look, look, you know, Sid, we called this, right? I mean, we figured that this was going to be yeah. – a- <laughs> Sure enough, it was. You know, look, Trevor Lawrence showed you that he was – This was too easy to pick. It was way too easy. So, I, I mean, look. You know, good for Clemson. This is like the, the third time they have, you know, 10 plus, you know, wins in a season, tying, you know, joining, you know, Florida State, which did it back in the, uh, in like the mid 2000s, going to the late 2000s, and also two twenty ten, I should say, and also Alabama. So they, they joined an exclusive club there. You know, Cincinnati, you know, like you said, uh, like you said, Lamont, that was bad weather, but look, you know, Desmond Ritter did just enough to win. <laughs> they, you know, yeah. The defense, you know, Tulsa got pretty good defense themselves, but they, you know, they did, Cincinnati did just enough to win that game. Also, shout out to San Jose State for winning their first ever mm-hmm. Mountain West championship. You know, Brent Brennan said that, look, we're going to make him, we're going to make him into a comparable program when he took over a couple of years ago. He's done just that. This is a team that actually got kicked out of their own campus because they could, because the county they, they, they play in couldn't, they're in, you know, couldn't play their home game, so they had to, they had to go to Vegas. Yeah. And to beat it, so. You know, good, good for them. You know, you're, you're, you commend, you know, the Spartans of, the San, of San Jose State and their first ever Mountain West title being Boise State, which was the king of that conference. Yeah. Also, Alabama, too, of course. You know, Nasha Harris, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones. I mean, they'll probably end up having this. They'll probably split Heisman votes. So, and, you know, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence will probably end up winning it because of that. <laughs> so, but, look, we saw all the records <laughs> that Najee Harris. <laughs> and both- Heisman uh, in Alabama, they should have a Heisman uh, thing in Alabama. That way they ain't got to expose people to a lot of stuff since three of the people going to be there already. They just <laughs> bring in the other two. <laughs> that way they ain't got to – They'll probably be in their dorms, respectively. Um, you know, Harris, you know, all-time leading rusher for Alabama history. And you know there's been a lot of great running backs. Broken Sean Alexander's record. Set the school record for career rushing yards. Career TDs. Tied the SEC championship record with five touchdowns. Tied the school record for T's in a game. Yeah. What more can he do before he go, you know, pro? But a uh, question I want to ask you with that game. Do you think Florida's quarterback is an NFL quarterback? Uh, look, he – look, I, 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 need, I need to see more of him. But, look, Kyle Trask, who you're talking about, he looked good. I mean – I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Sid? I mean, he he he's looked good. I mean, he really didn't make any mistakes. It's just that Alabama is 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 better than <laughs> so much better than them. Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just looking at the SEC title game, uh, I I didn't as I, we talked about this in our last podcast on Friday. Like, you know, I didn't think Florida would show up because of their uh, their loss to LSU, but they they gave it a good fight. Uh, their quarterback was actually had a good game, but Alabama just had too much talent uh, for Florida. Lamont? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, that's what I said. Alabama <laughs> is Kansas City. <laughs> it, it, I mean, no matter what you was throwing at him, it's just that was just a talent overweight. And I and um, I heard some people speaking on one of the shows about it. 
I think they need to do a little something about that recruiting thing where a team like Alabama will take five and six corners and five or six receivers to keep them from going to other schools in the SEC, even though they may not ever use these gentlemen on their team or on their field. But I think, you know, they need to do some readjusting when it comes to that uh, talent overflow. Yeah. yeah. And a team like Northwestern can benefit from that because you got to get Northwestern credit earlier, Sid. Anytime a guy run for 331 yards and they still in the game, that means they had to be playing really hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. When they ran three football fields on you. So, <laughs> and even with Najee Harris scoring five touchdowns, you know, that how does that happen? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. they need to work on that part of it. So, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. Maybe when I'm talking to a lot more SEC people, I can fuss more. <laughs> say, say, look, I can say the Big Ten is competitive, and the Big Ten is close because they recruit as a family. And then the coach still get fired in Illinois, but they still a family, you know. And congratulations to the new Illinois coach, by the way, also. Yeah, I'll just get ready to get to that as we have just a couple minutes left. Uh, Lakina, I'll start with you. Of course, they announced this – the final line announced this move prior to their uh, loss uh, against Penn State on the road. Uh, we all know that Lovey was a PR hire. Uh, congratulations on them getting to a bowl game last year, but Lovey was not the uh, answer to their long-term success. Hopefully this new coach, uh, he coached in Arkansas for the last few years. Can he recruit, first of all, staying in the state of Illinois? Yeah. Oh, look, Brett Bielema has a history of uh, recruiting Illinois. He's from Illinois. That's uh, that's how he was able to kind of make Wisconsin a consistent contender in the Big Ten was because he was able to recruit a lot of the area, you know, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, those guys. I mean, Josh Whitman, who's the AD over in Illinois, I mean, he likes named guys. You know, Lovey Smith was a named guy. Brett Bielema, a named guy. This is more of a name. I mean, will it get a lot of the top players here in this state to, to go to you know to stay in state and go to Illinois we'll see but I look I know his Arkansas record is not very good it was like what like 18 and like 40 or something like that or maybe like, it was like 12 and 40 I would think I was being a little generous with his record but I'll look it up but uh I mean we'll see I mean I know he's been, I know he was over at, uh the New York Giants and their old line coach but you know he played in the Big Ten you know at Iowa he you know, has coached in the Big Ten for years We'll see if he still got the charms to uh, to recruit here in the Midwest. But I think I think being being uh, <clears throat> down there with Arkansas, it gave him another place to recruit. You know, I think that's what's happening with Indiana also right now. Having that coach that comes with that Florida background, I think teams in the Big Ten need that extension to get some of those Southern players up here. So I think he may get a few, you know, gems from you know the Southern states to go along with all of his. Midwest recruiting. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I'm going to still ride with him, you know, blue, blue, you know, blue and orange to the world blow up. <laughs> and speaking of recruiting real quick, Lamont, I think you brought this up a couple of weeks ago. Deion Sanders has another recruit now uh, at Jackson State. Uh, hopefully, do you think that this will get uh, these HBCUs, especially the football programs, back to at least respectability? Yeah, and, and not only that, I think each HBCU, and coming from one myself, go Jaguars, you know, I go, but, but, you know, I think each HBCU will now 
attempt to bring in a name, so to speak. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Rice started doing more with Mississippi Valley State. Um, you look at Doug Williams when he went back to Grambling. I wish mm -hmm. he could go now where it could be a name. But by not being a lot of HBC players in the NFL, a lot of them are older now. A lot of them can come back and maybe take over coaching jobs. But, you know, it's a lot of untapped talent that never gets seen because they play in the HBCU. So I think having names like Dion, and I think Dion has brought on his coaching staff, who he got T.O., and he got a whole bunch of his friends. And I think that's what it will take to, you know, influx that talent into the NFL. And you look at who wouldn't want to learn from – who wouldn't want to learn from Deion Sanders if you want to make it to the NFL as a cornerback? Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't want to learn from a T.O. if you want to make it as a wide receiver? Now once they get that linebacker in that played – umpteen years in the NFL, the coach or that linebacker that had a connection with the NFL. And you got these people, plus you're looking at, if you're a high school student, you're looking at not only can I learn from Hall of Famers, but they still got NFL connections. So yes, that, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. And I think it's gonna be a good thing and I can't wait for it to get started. I supposed to be going to the Bayou Classic so we will see when uh, Southern plays Grambling, they moved it to Shreveport. But, you know, we will see what happens with that. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, I think mm -hmm. having Dion there, you know, it can only help the buzz because they need it in those, in those, you know, in those conferences and the SWAC and the MEAC. So, I mean, I think money-wise has been an issue for the finances. Mm -hmm. The facilities are out of, outdated. So maybe having Dion yes. there can, can only help with the buzz. Will it mean that more players will stay, you know, in the region and go to one of those HBCUs? We'll yeah. see. But, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Because when you look at it, you know, you throw names like out of Valley State, you got Jerry Rice, maybe the greatest of all time. You throw the Jackson State, like Walter Payton, maybe the greatest of all time. When you throw names mm -hmm. like out there, I think you need to – Don't forget Mel Blunt. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to him next, you know. No, I wasn't going to leave him out. <laughs> <laughs> he helped change the rules in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. And you, you know, when you throw stuff like that, I think it need, it's just it, – it comes with education also. I think, you know, you need somebody to connect the past to the youth and show them that you can do it going this route and you don't have to go sit on the bench at Alabama or go sit on the bench at a, uh, Oklahoma, places like that. Because a lot of these players go to these schools and they never get to play. And then they transfer to another school and you hear about them, which is I'm happy they waiving that transfer rule at a lot of these schools yeah. that fit mm -hmm. out rule right now. So a lot of these players can move right now and get, you know, right in and get to do things. Because I think it's a lot of good players sitting on the bench on these teams in the SEC. Even at like schools like Ole Miss and you know Mississippi State, they got some players sitting on these benches that other teams have just taken to keep them from going to other teams. So you know it remains to be seen, but I'm I'm definitely happy for it, and maybe more TV exposure because that one game of yeah. Yale TV bothering me. I I'm I, I've been saying that for ten years. They show the Bayou Classic. That's it. They don't show nothing else. All yeah, that's. 
Yeah, that's how I remember as a kid, too, watching the, the only time they get national exposure. They were on, on Thanksgiving weekend on NBC. Now they've been on NBC as in the cable channel for the last few years. So so hopefully ESPN's not sticking them on ESPN3 or ESPN+, Plus, put them on ESPN2 or ESPNU, <laughs> where people can watch it at a reasonable time if you want to do the tape delay thing. I'm sorry, Lakina. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Don't finish your uh, points. They've been, putting, they've been putting them on the in, uh, ESPN internet. Like last year, they would put them on the ESPN internet station where you don't get an announcer, but you just get the game and you can hear the in game. Mm-hmm. So that's the station they was on all the last year. But, uh, you know, we're going to see. And, you know, the good news is the last three years, I mean, they actually, the. Uh, that the bowl game, you know, the celebration bowl between, you know, the champion of the SWAC and the champion of the MEAC, they face each other. That game's actually been on ABC the last three years, so that's actually helped a little bit. Now, unfortunately, they canceled it this year, this year but, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, look, I think that, I think they're doing better. You know, this is kind of the MEAC, you know, SWAC challenge, so, and, you know, it's well. And we got to do better with our Chicago Classic game, too. We can't keep bringing in basketball school to play a football game at Soldier Field. <laughs> I'm just saying, when it starts back, we can't just run a basketball. We've been running basketball schools for the last five years, pretty much. <laughs> we run <laughs> and football. Oh not, to, not to disrespect their football teams in any kind of way, but these schools that they've been running are known because of their basketball. And then you, we have them in our Chicago Classic. So Chicago Classic people need to, you know, step it up a little bit. They've had Southern. They've had Jackson State before. Right. That's I true. mean, yeah. So, you know, I know they had them. So, but yeah, you know, but change is on the horizon. 2021 will be here next week. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Lakina, close us out. All right. So a couple more minutes, but, you know, how about college, you know, college hoops really quick. Um, Illinois lost to Rutgers, unfortunately. So, Ron Harper Jr., Ron like Harper. he did last year against yes. the, the final lineup. Ooh, yes, <laughs> yes. The Rutgers is for real. They could be, look, they could be a sleeper in the Big Ten. I mean, look, Gonzaga beat uh, Iowa pretty yes. easily. Um, that, that surprised me. That, yeah, I, did. I, mean, I thought they were going to keep it close, but I guess Gonzaga's just that much better right now. But, again, I you know. Like it. Still like Iowa, though. Oh, yeah. I think, look, oh, look, yeah, this is great. Also, unfortunately, you know, Kentucky, this is like their, their worst start since the 1920s. They lost to North Carolina. Um, and also, <laughs> I know, right? That's how long it's been. You know, they're one and six now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, also, Northwestern upset Michigan State. That was a big that yeah. Was yeah. yeah. Good for no, Chris Collins. Yeah. Gonna keep it going. They're going to keep it going. They're going to switch it over to basketball and run the table like the football team. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's slow okay, Let's slow that down a little yeah, bit. Let's slow that down. <laughs> also, Keontae Johnson, you know, you know, keep getting better, and because he collapsed a couple weeks ago against Florida State, he's a Florida star, the reigning SEC Player of the Year. Hopefully, we'll see him back on the court soon. So, a quick little, you know, college hoops notes. <laughs> yes. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here, and we're gonna have a very special. The rest of this hour is our NBA Power Hour. We're going to have, you know, a a panel of, you know, three great NBA bloggers and writers and folks who cover the sports. Go ahead, Sid. Also, we have a surprise analyst uh, joining our our panel, too. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, okay, cool. All right. We love surprises. 
Oh, oh, look, he surprised me on Friday. So let, let's see what else, what other surprises Sid has. <laughs> you know what? I missed that. I hate I missed that. Because um, I was looking for your old gym teacher, remember? I hate I missed it. <laughs> Who did he surprise you with? What? Oh, you're, I think you had him as a teacher, too, when you were at IMS. Uh, Eric Ostrowski? Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I did. You can, you can check out that, that podcast on War on Media. So there yeah. you go. So we'll be mm -hmm. back. We'll be back for our NBA Power, Power Hour on Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom, Zoom style. <laughs>
I'm not surprised that I, I have to deal with the Miami Heat, you know, staying over here. But uh, turning your week off right, we'll, 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 we'll get through it together, right? We'll get through it together. Oh my goodness! How can, yeah, how can people follow you on social media, Matt? You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck, and you can also follow our podcast at Locked On Bulls. All right, let's let's get this show started. First, we'll preview the Chicago Bulls for the 2020-21 season. Of course, there have been a lot of changes out as head coach Jim Boylan in as Billy Donovan out. Jim uh, John Paxson in Gar Hurd, Gar former, I should say, Gar Hurd, good grief. <laughs> in as Arturis Kanishevis and GM Mark Eversley. Of course, the Bulls finished their preseason with a 3-1 and record with a three-game winning streak. Josh, I'll start with you. What has impressed you most about this uh, Bulls preseason? I think for me is the slow development of Kobe White turning into a playmaker um, because that's one of the biggest things that he talked about this offseason is adding an extra element to his game. We all know he can score the ball pretty much wherever, um, but at the same time, growing to actually be a true point guard uh, to run an offense, especially in the Billy Donovan offense where it's a lot of ball movement, um, for him to be able to run that offense um, and, set, you know, set the table, set the tone offensively, it's, it's a pretty exciting thing, especially when you're talking about a backcourt with Zach Levine, where offensively that can be a nightmare any given night, and we both know yeah. they can fill it up. So, so for Kobe White to slowly but surely show positive signs of settling into not just a scoring point guard, but a facilitator and a playmaker, it's a very it's a very exciting sign to see, and that's what us Bulls fans really hope for since we did make that move to make him as our point guard of the future. Sean? Uh, oh, Sean? Yeah, the most important thing that stuck out to me was Zach Levine seems like he's genuinely interested on the defensive end, and I don't know if that's him taking a step forward in leadership and really wanting to make an impact in his game and take the next step in his game overall. But it really seems like that he's been up into uh, other defenders, I mean, other offensive players, and he's taken the challenge of being that guy on the defensive end to bring the ball hawking activity that you want this defense to have. Uh, I'm still not happy with the defense overall after watching the first four preseason games, but it does seem like Zach is taking a much more interested role on the defensive side of the ball, and that's, that really stuck out to me. Alana? I have to agree with Kobe White. Um, I think obviously like his skill set is growing, um, but I think for him to know what his role finally is and not kind of going between, you know, is he going to start? Is he going to kind of come off the bench? I feel like that's huge. Um, you can already tell, and I know it's early in preseason, but like his confidence is skyrocketed. Um, and I think that's going to be huge for the Bulls. So, so far I am a big, big fan. Um, and I can't wait to see like kind of, we you know what, what the season has in store for him. Matt? I can't believe we got all the way around to me and nobody mentioned Lowry or Wendell. I mean, to me, like, this whole front court, <laughs> what, what's going on with their front court and yeah. the, the huge prove-it seasons that are in front of both of those guys, Wendell and Lowry. You know, as we're recording this on December 21st, it's extension deadline day. Sounds like what, the, what we heard yesterday from Casey Johnson is that Lowry and the Bulls are still very far apart. That extension is not going to happen. I didn't, I didn't expect it to when we heard a couple weeks ago, oh, they might get it done. I was like, what? No, because Lowry wants money and he hasn't earned any yet. So to me, like we've already seen Donovan flirting with the idea of playing Lowry at the five. We've always heard Wendell seeing himself more as a four. He's certainly undersized to play center in the NBA. 
We saw a little glimpse of good from each of these guys in the preseason. Lowry had a strong final preseason game. Wendell's chucking threes because Donovan's telling him to, and he was like one of 20 in the four games or whatever. Whether or not those guys develop and find some kind of chemistry will be key because what I did like in these glimpses from those two in the preseason was playing a little two-man game between the two bigs, Lowry and Wendell, playing a little bit more pick and roll between those two. Will we see more of that? And can they develop as a, you know, a chemistry building front court? And, they can, and can they develop as individuals? That's going to be key because I don't see both of those guys being here long term. So the fact that, you know, the fact that it was just a short preseason, you know, Donovan, I would be surprised if even at the start, you know, maybe like the first like week or week and a half, he plays with like different combinations of, of guys. So I'll start with you, Sean. Do you see Patrick Williams, who actually looked really good, especially those last three preseason games, do you think he finds himself in the starting lineup? I think he does, and they would be short-sighted if they didn't insert him into the starting lineup, in my opinion. Uh a lot of Bulls fans didn't know who this kid was. Fortunately, you know, working at ESPN, we do Notre Dame football and basketball. So I was able to watch both the games against Notre Dame last year, and I was very impressed with the kid. He was a closer, and he came from a coach that has yet to be fired. He's the only coach in college basketball that is yet to be fired. I don't think anybody else could say that. So, um, well, you know, that's just sarcasm. But he came from a strong college program. <laughs> he came from a strong college program, and they didn't allow him to just come in and just start right away. He had to earn the minutes. And even though he didn't earn a starting spot, what he did earn was the confidence to be a closer on that team. And he was constantly making big plays. If you go back and you watch their matchups against yep. Duke, matchup against North Carolina State yep. and the, the Notre Dame game that was actually in South Bend. He made defensive stops in the last three minutes of those games that contributed to the big wins. And he also got big time buckets in various ways. It wasn't like he was, they ran a play for him in order for him to score. He either got an offensive rebound, he either scrapped for a 50-50 ball and made a play to get a bucket. He found ways to impact the game. And I definitely think they need that on the court at the beginning of the season don't stunt his growth allow him to impact not only your starting lineup but the team as well Matt yeah I mean I, a couple weeks ago when all this talk about Otto and like Billy being really careful with him and his minutes started pop popping up I was so confused because I was like look we know that Otto wasn't healthy last year and I think uh you know we were so eager to see a functional and, and healthy auto because when he first came over in that trade with Washington two seasons ago for that glimpse of like 10 to 12 games when Zach and Lowry looked their best it was no coincidence that it's because Otto came into that starting lineup and the offense just worked so much more efficiently the ball was moving better he's just a smart savvy player who takes the right shots and makes the right reads and makes the right passes so all this talk about like ah, Otto should come off the bench I was like what are people talking about like if he's healthy play him he's only 27 people are treating him with you know like these gloves <laughs> like oh load management he's he's like 38 it's like nah he's in his prime however after watching some of these preseason sets where you know he gave Pat Will the start and Otto came off the bench Pat Williams looks ready to play and ready to play a lot and I think there could be something that Donovan has found with Otto's presence stabilizing that second unit 
that certainly could use the help. I mean, some of the second units we saw the Bulls trot out last season were just like downright depressing. Like couldn't do anything. <laughs> so maybe think. Otto just being like a, a, a smart, you know, high basketball IQ vet who can handle the ball a little bit, knock down shots, uh, and just keep the offense flowing in the second unit might actually make sense if you want to go that route and say, all right, Pat Williams, like go, jump, grow. <laughs> Alana? Yeah, I think, honestly, the depth of the Bulls was a huge problem. Um, to Matt's point, some of those second units were just abysmal. And so I feel like if if it, if Otto coming off the bench is what it takes to give them a spark and some leadership there, um, I'm totally all in for, for Williams to, to go ahead and start. I also think, um, you know, player development, especially for the young guys, was a huge problem for the Bulls for however many years under, you know, different coaches, but also obviously the front office playing a little bit into that. So um, I feel like now that things are turning around, there's new personnel in there. Why not just give him a chance to start, um, you know, be a little bit more kind of build his confidence up, build his skill set. Um, so I think it helps him. I think it helps the starting unit. But I think to Matt's point, you know, having Porter come off the bench is going to be huge for them. And Josh. Yeah, all you guys pretty much hit the nail in the coffin for me when it comes to the effect that auto – what Porter can have, especially within that second unit. But I think it's also a smart move to put Patrick in that starting lineup because of the fact that his ceiling is his ceiling appears to be higher than what we expected when he was first drafted, especially offensively. He looked very comfortable out there on the court. And for him to continue to that development, especially in a way that since it's pretty much known out there that Otto Porter is pretty much not coming back um, next, uh, next year to the Bulls. I think because of them knowing that, it would make more sense to put, you know, to put uh, Patrick Williams out there to get him all the experience that he needs. So that way, not when this year uh, finishes off, but going into next year, when you have more cap space, when you have more opportunity to make b bigger moves, um, in which we you know Arturis Karnisovic in his own very, very, you know, slick, quiet way can make those moves. Um, so I think if anything, this is just, I, I think starting Patrick Williams will actually put the Bulls in a better position moving forward when it comes to, uh, especially free agencies, you know, other players looking at the Bulls to see if they're actual potential destination they may want to look into. Amat? Yeah, and, and, and at the same time, going back to what they said, I think they need to get that, that five and four thing figured out. I mean, Wendell Carter is a power forward, and I think they need to run more of a five, even if they have to use Gafford or work with Laurie more to be a five or even make a move with Laurie and bring in somebody that can play five to allow Wendell to grow at the four. If it's him, like he said earlier, we're not going to keep them both. If we're going to ride with Wendell, I think we need to allow him to play his proper position, kind of like what we do with Kobe White, turning him into the proper point guard that he needs to be. You're listening to a special edition of Second City Sports. This is our Bulls slash NBA preview show, along with Malakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sydney Brown. We're joined by our illustrious panel, Matt Peck, Alana Tech-Howard, Josh Hicks, and Sean Davis. I wanted, Speaking of Kobe, why you brought up Lamont, and someone else brought his name up in the beginning of the show. Uh, part of the Billy Donovan's coaching staff is Maurice Chief, Chicago's very own Hall of Famer. He's one of the assistant coaches. I'll start with you, Matt. Do you think that Maurice Chief will, will make a big difference in helping uh, Kobe White's uh, game come around this year? Because we all saw what happened under Billy Donovan's toolage last year with Shields uh, Alexander, Oklahoma City. Yeah, and I mean, let's also not forget Billy Donovan himself. I do think Mo Cheeks is going uh, to help. 
But Billy Donovan was a point guard back in his day, too. I mean, some of those classic Donovan, you know, 80s short shorts pictures are just iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, a <laughs> white guy playing hoops in short shorts. It's great. Um, <laughs> and Providence, but, too. <laughs> yeah, right? I, uh, yes. We've already seen in four preseason games, and I know it's not like, you know, Houston or OKC are juggernauts defensively by any stretch, even in a regular season matchup. But Kobe's decision-making to me, running, and, and not only in transition, because we saw him make some nice plays in transition, and, of course, he was at his best his rookie year getting out and running, right? Because that, like, his speed was his best asset. You also saw evidence of him being better in the half-court offense in these four preseason games, running that pick-and-roll that we know Billy Donovan's going to you know, lean on heavily throughout certain stretches of the season. Uh, he, he ran the pick-and-roll pretty well. He was making uh, you know, correct reads. He wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't getting over ahead of his legs. I think sometimes as a rookie, his speed kind of became a problem because his feet were faster than his head. We saw him in these preseason games just like slow down a little bit. And if he can just run some of those simple sets and, and some of his drives and kicks out to corner shooters in these preseason games have looked really, really strong, it's all going to be about, to me, limiting those turnovers. Because, you know, some of those rookie, you know, games where he drops, you know, 30 points and have five or six times, he also had like seven turnovers. So yeah. knowing that the Bulls are going to force fewer turnovers as a defense this season because they're, thank God, abandoning that ridiculous Jim Boylan blitz scheme. <laughs> you know, they're going to have to limit their own turnovers to not that have, you know, not that uh, a problem for them on a nightly basis where, where they're losing those points off turnover battle. Alana? Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously there were so many issues with Boylan that I don't even know where to start, but I do think just the offensive strategy um, that Donovan is going to, you know, implement has already implemented definitely does fit Kobe's abilities way better um he's super quick and yeah that does lead to turnovers and I do think that you know besides the um slight defensive disadvantage that this team might have turnovers is something that they need to keep an eye on um but I think he's gonna definitely flourish a lot better under this system and I think again um a lot of what it seemed like he he was battling was a little bit of a confidence issue and kind of not knowing his role and I think now that they kind of give him the green light to be who he is and kind of develop um in a way that not only obviously helps the team, but does kind of help his own skill set grow. Um, I think he's a way better fit with us. Josh? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, and, and I think what we have to remember with Mo Cheeks is the fact that his coaching tree from a point guard perspective is so unique. You, he, he helped coach Chris Paul. He helped coach Russell Westbrook. You know, these are elite point guards in the game that really, you know, that Kobe White actually has connection with. He has connections with Chris Paul from his AAU days. Um, so to have Chris Paul as a mentor, to, have, to see the rise that uh, Chris Paul helped, especially when it comes to Shea Gilgis Alexander, to now where he's the main face of yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder, to see his growth and development over the years under Billy Donovan, as well as the experience of him coaching Russell Westbrook. I mean, those experiences with the modern-day point guard is going to help Kobe White's game to a whole nother level, especially in an offense like Billy Donovan um, is putting in. So I think the addition of Mo Cheeks and the fact that he has that background and the coaching uh, experience to, to pair with Billy Donovan, who was also a point guard as well. I'll, I expect Kobe, Kobe White to actually make a really good jump this season, especially with the, the progressive science that we've already seen in this preseason. And Sean? Yeah, when you look at, I think Matt brought it up and it was a very good point. When you look at Mo Cheeks and Billy Donovan, they were players at that position of point guard. But more importantly for me, if you go back to Florida, Billy Donovan has a trait of being, to being able to bring out 
attributes that are going to make the player better, not necessarily trying to create the player based upon his view and what he thinks a point guard should be. So what I mean by that is, is realistically, the improvement I want to see from Kobe is I'll set the over under for assist at like five and a half. Like, I don't need Kobe White to average seven, eight assists. He's not that dude. He's not LaMelo Ball. Like, if you play LaMelo Ball and start him, he's going to average seven, eight assists because that's just a natural part of his game. He has that vision. I'll go back to the second preseason game against Houston. Kobe played a much better uh, game at the point guard position, but there were several pick and rolls. I would say he was a millisecond late with the pass even though the pass led to a layup or a bucket, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, he's still a millisecond late. That's going to come as he gets better. So if we can get five and a half assists out of Kobe White, I think that's pretty much the ceiling for the player he is at the position. He's a natural scoring guard, right? He's the all-time leading high school scorer in the state of North Carolina. He goes to North Carolina, and he's that guy for, for Roy. You come into the pros, and you are the second fiddle to Zach Levine because you needed to come off the bench and score. So to ask him in the span of, like, a year to all of a sudden become this floor general, no. We just want him to develop that part of this game to the best of his capabilities in that particular era. I mean, area. And if that's five and a half to six assists a game, and he gets to that point, dude, we're good moving forward. We're Gucci. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not expecting him to go eight, nine, ten assists because that's not in his game, and I don't think he'll ever get there in his game. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Sean. Now, as far as sort of the bench is concerned, sort of that, that great combination of you got Gafford, you got Arch, you got Chandler Hutchinson, also, you know, Luke Hornett, you know, we'll see how much of a factor he is. So the, the, the different combinations of the guys off the bench, I mean, what are your realistic expectations for the you know the bench guys? I'll start with you, Alana. Ooh, um, I don't know what it's that's gonna happen this year. I was a little bit surprised that the Bulls didn't make more of an effort, at least, um, to kind of switch things up a little bit with um, either you know making some traders, signing people. I feel like they, you know, obviously they did draft very well, but I think that in terms of kind of bringing more personnel um, that can kind of complement the team right now. I feel like they fell a little bit short. Um, so I'm not quite sure what to think about the bench. I do think that, um, and not to blame everything on Boylan or the front office, but to be honest, obviously switching that out is going to make a big difference. Um, you know, forget about the fact that certain guys didn't fit Boylan's system, but I just think it was kind of the toxicity of the culture going on there probably kind of stifled a little bit of what was going on. Um, not to say it again, that all their issues will be solved. Um, so right now, that's a very big question mark for me. Um, and I kind of wish they did a little bit more. But I do think, you know, like I said, maybe Porter coming off, you know, with that with that second unit might add a little bit of leadership and kind of get that spark going. Um, but that's probably the biggest question mark for me personally. Josh? Yeah, I, I think we're going to be kind of uncertain for a while because half of those people you're talking about on the bench could even play a full season. Um, Chandler Hutchinson was out for multiple games. All, I, you know, Otto Porter couldn't stay healthy. Um, da I mean, Daniel Gafford showed good signs, but he didn't get as much playing time last year compared to this year, compared to what he might be expecting this year. So I, because of the inconsistencies, especially in regards to the health component, it's hard to really say right now, you know, whether or not 
this we have a high expectation for this bench. We really doesn't know what the highest level for each individual player really is, especially on the court all at once. So this is just a, I think for now this is the waiting a wait and see type of situation. Sean, I'm just not impressed by the talent on the bench. That's just <laughs> my, I'm just not. That's my personal opinion. I know others they look see upside when you look at Chandler Hutchinson. And we're hoping that it gets better. Daniel Gafford came in last year. He did some nice things in spots, you know. But, you know, as Josh said, I think Josh makes a great point. And that puts them one aspect of the Bulls in this organization under the microscope that's gotten a pass over the last 10 to 15 years. And that's this training staff, this new training staff that they, they've hired. I'm interested in seeing how they can impact this organization. Um, we know the stories of the old training staff from Luau Dang to Derek, all the stories and rumors and how they mishandled things and Luau Dang almost dying going into the playoffs. Look, training staffs matter. They can't control who gets injured on the court, but they can help getting these guys as flexible as they can be and getting them in the best position to be able to perform at elite levels and to the best of their abilities. And if you can do that, then you give them a chance to overcome some of the small nagging injuries that have kept some of these Bulls players out. So when you look at Wendell Carter, can he overcome the small injuries, the core surgery, and put in a 70-game season or a 65-game season? Can Daniel Gafford give you 60 games? You know, from a talent standpoint, I think the talent level is – uh, it's meh, you know, coming off the bench. Otto Porter going to the bench, if that, if that indeed does happen, improves the talent level and improves the leadership. But, you know, somebody like Thad Young, who's a journeyman, has been on several teams, you know what you're going to get. He might give you a nice 20-point game, and then, you know, he just disappears for about two or three games. And then he might give you another great game in like another week or so. That's been his career. You know, even when he was a, a starter in Philly and in Indiana, he was off and on, hot and cold. So I'm, I'm really not impressed with the bench talent. I think that's something over the next couple of years that AK and Mark Eversley will go a long way in improving, along with the development of the starters and the core of this team. But, um, yeah, I don't know what else you can look for from the bench of Chicago Bulls, man. I hope the starting start five can build, uh, build double-digit leads and we can hang on. <laughs> Matt? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Sean brought up a good point as far as the, uh, the, the welcome change of the turnover of the medical staff. You know, of course, everybody was most excited about Gar Foreman getting the boot and John being stuffed in a closet at the Advocate Center. But <laughs> I, I, the, the change that had my, my guy, Big Dave, most excited was the dismissal of Jeff Tanaka because he was oh, like, yeah. Dude, en <laughs> enough, like enough, yeah. right? <laughs> um, but as far as the depth of this team, obviously, you know, availability is, is the best, uh, you know, uh, is the best thing players can offer. That's said all the time. But I think speaking to that, we didn't have we got no clue as far as Donovan's back end of the rotation in the preseason because you you know Lakina the list you rattled off at the start of this part of the conversation Gafford Archie you know Hutch maybe if Hutch can stay healthy he's he's a part of that but the other pieces we only saw one game from Sato yeah uh, and then he had to like go away because of. 
COVID protocol or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Temple is back practicing after he was quarantining after testing positive. You know, he was their one free agent signing for a reason. I think he has a spot in this rotation. I thought he was an underrated and undervalued uh, part of that Brooklyn team last season. You know, Bradley Beal spoke so highly of him as far as his veteran leadership and, and his qualities as a teammate. And, and, you know, Denzel, will we see him? Who knows? You know, the, the one guy between him, Dunn, and, and Jack to get the qualifying offer. I just saw a tweet from Casey just a couple minutes ago. It was like, he did practice and, you know, game time decision questionable for Wednesday. So my guess is we'll see him sometime in April. But, <laughs> like, you know, as far as the actual pieces of that second unit, I think, you know, Sean brought up Thad. Thad, Sato, and, and Hutch will be key to that second unit, along with, you know, Otto, if Donovan goes that route. Sato in particular, we only saw a, a small glimpse of him in preseason, but I really liked what I saw. You know, he had like 20-something minutes off the bench, and he had a game that was like, you know, 10-7-5. and five. Sato was clearly a guy who was not talented enough to be a big difference maker in the Bulls starting lineup this past season. And I think the, the thought – uh, that I had and why I was a fan of that signing is because he could be, you know, low usage, high efficiency and just prop up the games of Zach and Lowry and Wendell, the guys that we wanted to see thrive. But Sato had an off year. Jim's offense didn't really do any of them any favors. But Sato, I think, can be a pretty efficient uh, scorer and facilitator off the bench. So if those pieces of the rotation are healthy, then the Bulls off uh, the Bulls second unit goes from being meh, like Sean said, to like meh plus. Like I'll give him meh plus. Lamont, I think with all the questions going on with that Bulls bench, uh, and since they didn't get a chance to play a lot together, I would I would put Otto and Marketing coming off of that bench and go with Gaffin and Carter up front with the young kid. And Leslie had work for the first couple of games. And then if it starts to work out, you still got that. You still got Sato coming. And I would work it in that way. But I would go with marketing and Porter off of that bench to try to give it some form of life and let the kid play as much as he can in the starting rotation to start the season and just see where it go. I mean, it's all a sense of experiment anyway. And maybe we can get rid of the ah, lab and see what happens at this point. Yeah, I would take that route. Before we preview uh, the rest of the NBA, I want to get you guys' uh, uh, final predictions for the Bulls for 2021, uh, assuming that they stay healthy because that's been uh, the problem for this franchise the last few seasons. I'll start with you, Sean. Do you think that the Bulls, assuming that they stay healthy, they, do you think they'll be uh, in that conversation for that play-in tournament to get into the playoffs? Yes, I think they barely make the play-in tournament. I've fallen into the trap the last two seasons. Right. <laughs> Against better judgment. I fell into the trap. Zach's going to take a step forward. Laurie's going to take a step forward. Wendell Carter's going to blossom into this guy that can be a defender of the rim and really impact the defense. And then the season starts and it's like, yeah, they are who we thought they were. So you know, I'm not, you can't give me three times. I'm not, I'm not falling forward this season. I do think they barely <laughs> make it into the play-in tournament, but I don't think they make it into the playoffs, uh, the last 16 teams. But, you know, I just think the fact that change has hit this city and hit this organization, that's enough to carry me into next season. Like, I'm good. I'm just going to sit back and have fun 
watching these games and hopefully hopefully they can entertain me. Fool me once. <laughs> Matt? Yeah, I, I kind of see them fighting to be in that ninth or 10th spot for the play-in. I think it's certainly possible for them to accomplish that. I don't certainly see it as a lock. When I look at the Eastern Conference and some of the improvements that were made to other rosters in that kind of 7 through 12 range, you know, it, it's going to be tough. I think the only teams you can concretely and confidently say the Bulls will be better than in the East are Cleveland, New York, and then depending on the health and what they do with Blake Griffin, Detroit. Those are That's it. Those are the only teams that I'm like, yeah, we'll be better than that. So that kind of slots the Bulls around 11th or maybe 12th, maybe, you know, maybe 10th. Um, you know, I, I see them going like flirting with 30 wins, 30 and 42, something like that. I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if they make the play-in tourney and get a little bit of playoff experience for this, for this young roster. I also wouldn't hate it if they fell into the lottery again because that 2021 draft class is looking pretty good. <laughs> a lot of... <laughs> I do not want to sound like a hater, but I don't think they're going to make it. Or if they do, it'll be by some stroke of another team having some, like, huge, God forbid, injury or, like, something, you know, wacky happening. Um, I just think they're not there yet. I think this year, because of all – I mean, the welcome change, but it's still going to take time. Um, I think guys are still trying to figure out, like, who they are in this new system – um, and I, I don't know, the marketing situation is just so strange to me. I had such high hopes for him. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I think he's just, I don't know if he's plateaued. I don't know if he just needs another system, but I, I don't, I don't think they make it. Um, but Hey, I mean, I, I think at this point, I've just become such a skeptic of this organization in general that it's going to take a little bit more time, um, for me to fully buy in. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, no apology necessary. Okay. You were on some of those Outsiders episodes with me. You know how I felt last year. <laughs> Josh? Yeah, it, to me it would be kind of surprising if they do play in for that play-in tournament. Um, just because there's so much change, so much new faces. Everybody's still trying to figure out themselves. And like Matt mentioned, there were some teams this offseason that normally within that, you know, that 7 to 12 spot that really made a huge impact this offseason, starting with the Atlanta Hawks. They looked at, you know, they, they, these got this, those couple teams really made some, some pretty big moves. Even the Wizards did. I know they traded John Wall, but they got Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook is a different type of animal when you're talking about him in a backcourt with Bradley Beal. So it's, it, it's going to be tough for them to get in there. And I won't be surprised if they do, but they won't. But, you know, they're like the wild card. They're just playing. And I won't be surprised they lose as soon as they get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about the whole NBA. Um, but we'll start at the Eastern Conference. Um, Josh, I'll start with you. Who are your favorites? Because you got the Nets, you got the you know Sixers, and the Raptors are proving you know, they got to play. I think in Tampa this year. So who are your favorites in the East? Well, if the Raptors played in Seattle for me, maybe I would have considered them. But um, <laughs> but as far as the Eastern Conference as a whole, man, I mean, you can't pass up Brooklyn. You got KD, you got Kyrie. You, if they if they're able to pull this James Harden trade, you got a, a nasty trio over there. Well, even though that looks impossible right now, you know, you never know. You you never know in the NBA. It's always some type of fireworks. So I think you got you, you got to consider Brooklyn. Um, you got to consider Milwaukee. Although Milwaukee to me kind of kind of a little bit of a setback for me just because they started the whole farm for Drew Holiday. 
And, you know, even though you got Giannis, I don't trust Chris Middleton being your sidekick. You got to get somebody that's, I think you got to get an actual solidified number two player aside from Drew Holiday, even though Drew was a good upgrade. Um, and, and I think, I mean, Philadelphia got better. To me, they got better um, hiring Doc Rivers, uh, bringing in more shooting with Danny Green and, th- and those guys. But to me, if they make a James Harden trade, now you're talking about them potentially being top three um, in, in that Eastern Conference. Because if you pair James Harden with Joel Embiid, you know, that's a nice point guard, point, uh, guard, you know, center combination to where it'll be very hard for teams to defend. And especially in the Eastern Conference. I mean, the Eastern Conference in a whole got better. I think we there was jokes last uh, – in offseason talking about how, you know, LeBron went west, now everybody going east <laughs> to, get away from, to get away from LeBron James and, and what he's doing in the west, which is already impeccable. So the Eastern Conference for me, I, it, you have to go with KD and Kyrie and what they're doing in Brooklyn as your number one. But after that, it's a few teams in there that, you know, you, that, that can give you a run for the money. And if teams like Atlanta, like, blow up, with the moves that they made, you know, that it's going to be very interesting to see what this Eastern Conference is going to look like this season. Sean? You know what? Josh pretty much stole my thunder. The scariest team for me in a playoff series would be, if you're talking about duos in a playoff, what you have Katie and Kyrie, you have Bam and Jimmy, then you go to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, because that's what it's going to come down to. And I guess Milwaukee is depending upon Drew Holiday because Chris Middleton isn't that guy. He's shown he can't be that guy. So maybe Drew Holiday can be that guy for Giannis. But regular season, I think Brooklyn might struggle a little bit out of the gate just to find, just to find continuity because you have a lot of ball handlers on that team. But once they find it, they're going to hit a groove, I think, halfway through the season, probably before they get to the halfway point. And then they're going to take off. So I think Teams like Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee. Milwaukee will always do good in the regular season. Milwaukee's that team, we don't care what they do in the regular season. Their mm-hmm. season starts in the postseason. Like, it doesn't even matter. Giannis, I don't care if you win another MVP. I don't care about the stats. Show me what you're going to do in the playoffs. And people continue to forget about Toronto, man. Let me Thank tell you, you something. Thank Nick Nurse. Yeah. And what he continues to do with that roster, you look at the development of Boucher, watching him in the preseason. And, you know, if everybody else, Lowry, they re-signed my guy, man. Look, that's going to be a team that's going to be a viable contender, especially when you get into the playoffs. And in the East, I truly believe it's going to be about matchups. Josh mentioned the Sixers getting Doc Rivers. Watch Tyrese Maxey with Philadelphia. That young man can play. I don't think he'll be the rookie of the year because he's coming off the bench, but that young man can hoop. So at the end of the day, if I had to hang my hat on one team, probably because I trust them more in the playoff series, the tandem of KD and Kyrie, I probably would put them ahead of everybody else. But Toronto and Boston and, and Miami, will be right there. As you can tell, I'm down on Milwaukee. Like, I'm just not buying it anymore. I think uh, kudos because it was great for the league that Giannis resigned, but mm-hmm. that's pretty much a two-year deal <laughs> with a trade request <laughs> waiting if oh, things don't get done, if they don't win the championship. That's the way I see it in this NBA landscape. So I'm going to hang my hat on K- KD and Kyrie. Uh, 
not winning the most games in the East, but definitely being the most dangerous team once we get into the playoffs. Matt? Yeah, I mean, well, first things first, whichever East team does make that play for Harden, if that happens, you know, Philadelphia is being talked about a lot. There are some whispers around Toronto or Boston, of course, Brooklyn, but I see that as a real unlikely scenario. Whichever one of those teams gets Harden is not making the finals because, like, that's just that's what Harden does. <laughs> like, you can, whichever East team ends up with Harden, eliminate them right out of the gates. Until he proves us otherwise, Harden is a MVP candidate, automatic playoff berth for your team by himself, and a guy who continues to shrivel up in the biggest moments of playoff games. So – that plus all the other baggage that's attached to Harden right now, whichever team gets him in the East, they're out. That's how I see it going down. <laughs> if it's Brooklyn without Harden and just like, okay, a, health, a healthy KD, even like 90% KD and Kyrie with all of the other pieces that they managed to keep around them, like keeping Joe Harris was big in my opinion, like one of the most underrated players in the league right now, they're the favorites. It's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They're the favorites. I know that neither of them are the back-to-back reigning MVP like Giannis is right now. But I agree. You know, like, I, I think Drew Holiday will help to a degree when you talk about the way that Milwaukee's half-court offense has just gotten into so many problems in these best-of-seven series because he is that good of, of a veteran point guard. But is it enough? Did they do enough outside of that and keeping Giannis to change anything that we've seen from them faltering and, and you know, uh, falling short um, it, when everybody considered them the odds-on favorites to come out of the East the last two years? So, to me, if, if healthy, it's Brooklyn. I, I've never been a believer in Philly. Like, the Simmons and Embiid thing, until they prove it to us, nah. Of the, like, young core teams, I would say maybe Boston has the best outside chance we saw Jason Tatum kind of go from star to flirting with superstar this past season, especially the way he played in the you know middle to late stage of that season. If he can take another step and just say, no, nah, I'm a legit superstar now, along with the development of Jalen Brown and some of those other pieces, that could be my, like, I'm, you, maybe you don't even call it a dark horse, but second most likely. Uh, you know, fair point about Toronto. I just don't know if they're going to have enough talent uh, and, and Miami, nah, sorry. That was a one-time thing. It was a fluke. Alana, you're in for a long hurt this year. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Lord. All right, Alana, the floor is yours. I mean, y'all already know what I'm going to say. Like, I, the fact that we're being underestimated is honestly only making me that much happier. Like, I love that people are not trusting us. I love that everyone just thought it was, like, a bubble fluke and whatnot. Um, we are in it to win it. I don't know if... We are going to get hardened. Personally, I would pass on that. I know that's a very highly debated topic, especially Heat Nation seems very split on this. Um, I would happily just keep it moving. Um, he is an amazingly talented player. I don't think he's for the culture. I don't think that um, he's ready to really buckle down. I think he's very stuck in his ways. Um, and because he has been successful as an individual, I don't think he wants to change that anytime soon. Um, so they can keep Harden. I think we're going to be just fine without him. Um, Bam has been an incredible leader. I think he's going to make um, an even bigger leap this season. Obviously, I'm a huge Tyler Hero fan. Um, I feel like although people now, obviously, Duncan Robinson, everyone has his number, and it's a little bit harder now. Um, I mean, we are getting, like, double teamed like crazy on him. But still, I just 
I feel like we're being underestimated. I feel like that's only going to fuel um, not only, obviously, the fandom, but Jimmy Butler. I mean, he does not care what anyone thinks. The more hate that comes his way, the better he does. Um, I personally, and I know this is going to just get me reamed, I am not, like, buying this entire Brooklyn's going all the way. They're going to be, you know, the biggest star. I between just I know I'm not a KD fan I'm not a Kyrie fan but just that bias aside there's just too much hype around them I feel like something is bound to go wrong I feel like they're just riding this wave of you know we have these two big big names and everything's gonna go fine but because of that I'm not buying it um I don't think it's gonna be as easy as everyone thinks it is for them um honestly I feel like you know I actually agree with Matt on something the Sixers I am not, I know, shocking, right? Um, I am just kind of over it. 147. I, you know, the whole, <laughs> the whole Embiid Simmons thing, like, it's over. I've heard it a thousand times. Like, you haven't proved yourself yet. I honestly, the only reason I was even rooting for the Sixers is because Jay Rich got over there. He's in Dallas now. I have no allegiance to Philadelphia. <laughs> um, so, honestly, I'm all in on the heat. And as long as Boston doesn't do well, because I cannot stand the, the Celtics, I am, I'm happy. Lamont? Well, uh, I I would have to go with Brooklyn if they don't implode. Like, I got to agree with a lot on a couple of fronts. I think Brooklyn's ready to implode in some form or fashion. If it's not psychologically, it could be physically. So, I mean, that's why I'm I'm tending to lean with a team like Boston, a team that's together. And uh, Toronto could be somebody you got to pay attention to. And with Miami, I think, like she said, they caught up with uh, Duncan. They know he can shoot the lights out now. And they are being underestimated greatly. But a lot of people are waiting to see, can them uh, young guys take that next step? And will they take that next step once these adjustments come? So I think as long as Brooklyn don't implode, Brooklyn should go all the way. But if they stumble in any kind of way, I think Boston could be that team. And uh, to agree with Sean, I'm not in on Milwaukee at all. I don't think Milwaukee has done nothing but ran it back, so to speak, with a little better defense than Eric Bledsoe. So I'm not I'm not really in <laughs> Milwaukee like that. But um, to, to go with one, I, I would have to hang it on uh, Brooklyn just because KD may get frustrated with a carry and take over and lead him anyway, just to show that he's back if he's 100%. Sid? Uh, I, I will go with between Brooklyn and Boston. I'll give Boston the edge. Uh, let's be honest here. Where was Boston's problem last year? Uh, toughness on, among their front line. They picked up Tristan Thompson um, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's going to help them tremendously. Yes, you get rid of Gordon Hayward, but uh, Kimber Walker, as soon as he gets back healthy from – I know he had knee issues uh, last season, but as soon as he gets healthy, he's going to be all right. Uh, Jason Tam, he took another big step up uh, last season. I expect him to take another step up this season. And don't forget about Marcus Smart. He's one of the grittiest, uh, toughest players in the league, so I expect him to take another big step. It's going to come down to Brooklyn and Boston. If I had to give an edge, I, I would give it to Boston. See, I feel the reverse. I think if it comes between Brooklyn, Boston and Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn because you got, you know, yes, Boston has the experience now, but you got championship experience in Brooklyn. So I'm thinking as long as KD and Kyrie, they don't implode to one another, I think if they can keep it together, I think the Nets will, will do just fine. And also, you know, Toronto, 
look, I, they got to play in Tampa, unfortunately, so they're going to be away from home. But don't underestimate them. And, look, Miami I have as one of my, one of my sleepers. And Milwaukee, they may hang in there, but I'm like the rest of you. I think I'm kind of giving up on Milwaukee at this point, even though Giannis got that big contract. So, <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the Western Conference for a second. I'll start with you, Matt. Do you think it's the Lakers or do you take the Lakers or the field? Well, as much as I hate to admit it, because I have hated the Lakers the entirety of my <laughs> NBA life, and LeBron's, LeBron's arrival made me hate them even more. As much as I hate LeBron, I also respect him and fear him. And anybody who doesn't is a fool. I tried to talk myself into the Clippers being the better team and the deeper team going into the playoffs last year. And, you know, Kawhi and, and Paul George, you know, with those other complimentary pieces, thinking that that would be enough to get past LeBron and AD because I thought that the, the rest of the Lakers rotation was just not as good as the depth of the Clippers. Well, turns out LeBron was still LeBron and his team won. Go figure. <laughs> um, you know, so, like, I think Zach Lowe put it really well in the column that he just released this morning where he just, you know, put all 30 teams in the league into different tiers. And the first tier, which was labeled tier all to themselves, is the Lakers. Because, <laughs> like, as annoying as it is, they still got better this offseason. Like, it's not fair, but of course. I hate it, but of course. Because LeBron gets whatever LeBron wants, including any that could ever possibly exist. So, you know... F my life, yes, the Lakers are the favorites. <laughs> Josh? <laughs> yeah, you got to give it to the Lakers, man. I mean, the fact that you – not on, even though last year, you know, very veteran group, this year you got younger but still kept the same talent. Um, getting – I thought the, I thought getting Dennis Schroeder was such an underrated deal for them, um, especially using him to replace Rajon Rondo. He got younger, but he also brings that grit, toughness, which is what LeBron needs. Um, the fact that you went across your locker room to go get uh, Trez Harrell, you started, you just want, you just want to add more heat to the fire with that, with that uh, little rivalry going on. So for LeBron to do that, you know, that was just straight up gangster per se. But, um, but overall, just the fact that the Lakers as a whole are just so many years above everybody else, for them to make the moves that they did um, was very. It wasn't surprising, but it's also something that you just have to, you know. You have to admire in a sense. And, I, and we also have to pay attention as, as well. The bottom half of the Western Conference teams got way better as well. The Pelicans got better. Um, the, the Suns, when they get picked up Chris Paul, they got better. You know, those, those, uh, the Kings even got a little better. And the fact that, you know, all those teams, even though they were all pretty much in the bubble last year, they most, pretty much, pretty much, it was pretty much a Western Conference shootout in the bubble for the most part. So to have all those lower tier uh, Western Conference team actually improved to make a good solid case for the eight seed, which was Memphis and they still, and, they, and they're pretty much running it back as well. Yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest thing, even though we know the Lakers are the favorites. I think watching that bottom half of the Western Conference is something that we really have to pay attention because depending on who the Lakers play in that first round, you know, that could, it, could be a, it could be a pretty, pretty tough matchup depending on who gets that spot. Alana? Yeah, actually, I was going to touch upon that, too. Um, I'm a Lakers fan. Obviously, I don't think that anyone else has another shot. Um, but I honestly... Next reaction nothing... right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I, 
just want the best for both Portland and Phoenix. Like, so, so bad more than anything. I love both of those teams. Um, they got me so hyped in the bubble, and I think that both of them um, really set themselves up for success this year, too. Um, you know, I think adding Chris Paul for the Suns was huge, um, not just, you know, because he's so talented, but just as a mentor for the younger guys. Um, I think Book is only going to get better from having him, um, you know, alongside him. And just for Portland, like, I just want them to succeed, and I just want Dame to go out there and kill it. Um, so I'm just really excited. I have always, up until honestly probably the past two years or so, I've been completely locked into the East. Um, but the West is super exciting right now. Um, and I think that, you know, the Lakers are going to run it back. But let's see what the other teams can do and just have fun watching them. Sean? Like everybody else, I'm going to start. You know, I'll get to the Lakers because they are the favorite, right? No one is close to them. The battle, the most important thing and most entertaining thing in the West, and I think Josh touched on it a little bit, the uh, six through ten spots. Those teams battling to see who's going to make it into the play-in and then ultimately into the, the playoffs is going to be entertaining. Look, I've never had more fun watching basketball and watching a preseason game than watching the mini series between Atlanta and Memphis. I got to watch Ja and Trey go at it two straight games. I've never had more fun. But to get back to the Lakers, so you watch that. That's the most entertaining thing. The Lakers are definitely cream of the crop in the NBA. I wouldn't just hand over the NBA title to them yet because I do think there are three teams in the East that match up with them well. I do think the Miami kind of show that they aren't invincible, even though they're really good, and they do probably have two of the top four players in the NBA. They can be beaten in a series. And I think Miami showed that. So, you know, for me, I really think – and also shout out. I got to do this, right? Josh, I'm shocked you didn't do this. The Lakers, they got Dennis Schroeder. They made other improvements. One of the greatest improvements is Red South, Simeon, Taylor Horton uh, yes. Tucker, and his mm -hmm. improvement. Oh, and yeah. if you haven't seen the Tony Allen story from the Chris Vernon show about Taylor Horton Tucker telling him certain things in the G League during the game, man – It'll give you chills if you're really from Chicago. So yeah. just that alone and him giving them another weapon on the wing, it's all about the Lakers in the Western Conference. But I'm looking forward to the NBA Finals. I think they're going to get a six, seven-game series from whomever comes out of the East. Lamont? Yeah, I mean, like everyone said, pretty much, we know it's a Lakers world getting out of the West. But that battle for them bottom spots, like they've been mentioning, man, like – I'm all in on Phoenix also and, and Portland, like she said. Like, I want to see Portland do well. I want to see Dame do well so, so bad. You know, almost as bad as I want Phoenix to do well. I want Phoenix to do so well this year. But it's it's a Lakers world pretty much. And, and like um, one of the panelists said, they got younger and better, so to speak, at the same time, which rarely happens in the NBA. And by them being able to do that is – pretty much an anatomy, but then you got the Simeon kid who LeBron has already co-signed for. So that's added a lot of pressure on him, but at the same time, it's only going to make him better and allow all of Chicago pride to come out of him and push him to whatever heights he needs to get to. But in the end, it'll probably be the Lakers battling somebody in the East. Like they said, Miami showed the world the blueprint 
And if Miami got another shot at them and they're healthy and them uh, young guys continue to shoot, they may, you know, go that six, seven games and could beat them. I mean, whoever they play in the East going to hit them in their head enough to let them know that they're not invincible and that they are in a fight for this title this year. Said. The Lakers are the favorite, but it's going to be tougher for them this year than it was last year. Pay attention to these two teams. In the top half, the Denver Nuggets. Yes, they lost to the Lakers in last year's Western Conference Finals, but I think they can play with the Lakers. And Jamal Murray stepped up his game again last year in the playoffs. Uh, Nikolai Jokic, even though he had COVID before they reported to the bubble, you saw uh, his game grew last year. Let's see if he can keep that up for this season. In the bottom half of one of the panelists mentioned from the six to ten spots, I was really looking forward to watching this team play. I still am, but the Golden State Warriors, yes, it sucks that Klay Thompson is out again this year. I really thought that team was going to do some things. I think they still can. Uh, especially if Steph Curry and Draymond Green stay healthy. Now both those guys are older. I really like the pickup of Kelly Arube Jr. from the Phoenix Suns. They acquired via trade. I'm looking forward to see rookie Jays Weissman as well. Golden State hasn't had an inside score threat like that since David Lee when he hit heels on that 2015 team. I think the Warriors are still a team to watch. I thought if Klay Thompson didn't injure himself, I thought the Warriors would have perhaps sneak into that Western Conference final series against the Lakers. I don't think that's possible. Now, I think they still a playoff team. Maybe they'll win around, but I'm still looking forward to watching them play both. Look out for the different Nuggets to really challenge the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, it's the Lakers world. We're all just living in it. And, you know, like <laughs> you guys all said, um, but, you know, I'm fascinated to see what Utah does, especially since Gobert has got that nice contract now. Signed less for the max, but we'll see what, how they do. Denver, you know, can they keep up with, you know, making it all the way to the Western Conference Finals? I'm surprised nobody said Dallas. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see what Luka Doncic does. And for that, that team, we'll see what they do. The Clippers, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about them at this point. I mean, we saw what happened uh, in th this past season. We saw what transpired. So we'll see what Kawhi and PG can do. If PG can show up this time, we'll see. Also, Golden State. <laughs> Also, going to state, I mean, look, I think Wiseman will probably try to kind of – I don't think they'll necessarily, you know, be at the top, but I think they'll best be one of those six – so six through ten spots, those playoff spots there. Also, Phoenix. Look out for Phoenix. You know, they almost – Devin Booker almost single-handedly, you know, got them in the playoffs in the bubble. And also having CP3 there to sort of help guide that – that you know, not just him, but also the team as a whole. Monty Williams is probably one of the most underrated coach in the in the league. The Rising Stars, so they can make things interesting in the West. Sid? You're listening to Sega City Sports uh, Bulls slash NBA preview show, along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sydney Brown. We are joined by an elusive panel, Matt Peck, Joshua Hicks, Sean Davis, and Alana Tackhauer. Uh, before we uh, ask you guys to crown your NBA champion for 2021, who's going to be the regular season MVP? Matt, I'll start with you first. I mean, I, I see no reason not to pick Giannis again. I think he, I think he gets an MVP three peat. Um, his efficiency last year was historic. Um, obviously, LeBron and AD's MVP votes cancel each other out in LA. Same thing with Kawhi and Paul in, in uh, with, with the Clippers. I think if there is somebody who can give Giannis a chase this year, and it's the last team that Lakina mentioned in the West that might, you know, catch people by surprise. To me, it's 
the health of his number two, Kristaps, and then the actual depth behind him. But Luca, Luke is my dark horse for MVP. That kid it is I cry myself to sleep every night that he's not wearing a Bulls jersey. Uh, you know, my buddy Sabine, who's like a half madman, <laughs> I'm freaking crazy about it every freaking day. You know, I'm just green with jealous rage. And I think if things don't go well in Milwaukee, Luca has a, a healthy year and continues to build on what he already showed us to be this past season. I, I, there will come a day, and I don't think it's too far away, when Luca is this league's MVP. And I wouldn't be shocked if this is the year he does it. But I'd still say I'm going to give a slight edge to the defending MVP, Giannis. Josh? Yeah, I pretty much say the same thing. Um, Giannis, obviously, we know what he can do. And, and like Matt mentioned last year, it was very historic. But if the, can the team continue to win at the level that they were last year for him to really get that true recognition of MVP, that's still kind of up in the air and bet, uh, since they made these roster changes. So as a, as a slight backup, obviously, you got to put LeBron in there. LeBron is up in age, and they're still going, and they're going to finish – arguably the best team in, in the, in the, in the, you know, in the league. So you got to put LeBron in there as well. But aside from that, yeah, we got to watch out for Luca because that, that dude's coming and he's coming quick. And he showed it in that, in the bubble last year on um, the way he performed, even without Christos Porzingis. Like he, he let it known that he's, he's arrived and he's about to take things to the next level with Dallas. And he's in the right situation where, you know, Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban will make the necessary moves needed. So that way this, uh, this dude can flourish and bring the, uh, the Mavericks back to the relevancy that they, that they have, they, that they deserve, quite frankly. So, yeah, I think Giannis has a good chance to win it again. My personal pick would be LeBron because of the fact that last year he probably should have got it, even though Giannis was the guy. Um, so I, I won't be surprised if LeBron gets it. But at the same time, you know, like Matt said, watch out for Luca. Luca's gonna make give you a nice run for your money with that with that MVP award. Alana, I have to give it to LeBron this year. Um, I think he probably should have gotten it last year or came very close anyway. And I think that um, he's definitely going to be gunning for it now, um, especially I know the season's not completely back to normal, but we are out of the bubble. Um, so I don't know. I just, I feel like it's his year again. Sean. You know what? Everyone's talking about LeBron, but it's two factors that's keeping me from picking LeBron. Number one, the time off that he didn't have to pour into like getting his body back in shape like he normally has over the summer. I don't know if they're really going to play him a lot of minutes early in the season. And also I think the layers, the Lakers are going to blow a lot of teams out. So I don't think Braun is going to play a lot of minutes this season. And I do see him making a late push in the MVP race, but I think early on, I think guys like Luca, I think voters might even get, become bored with Giannis and his stats <laughs> this season. Uh, I do think KD's going to be somewhere in there because I think Brooklyn is going to be at the top of the East. But Josh mentioned this, and this would be my sleeper because this is the quietest 29 and 10 season that people kind of just downplay. Like people forget that Trey Young put up 29 and 10. Like that's crazy in his second year. Yeah. 29 yeah. and 10. And if Atlanta makes that push and possibly wins uh, close to 50 games maybe and is in the top three or four in the East and Trey Young is putting up the same stats 
I can definitely see him being right there next to Luca in conversations. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I think as in, as Atlanta goes, people will say, yep, Trey Young. And don't forget about the addition of Rajon Rondo and his mm -hmm. mentorship for Trey Young. He's already shown that he can dominate and play in this league and really hoop. And then just the mental aspect that he's going to gain from playing with Rajon Rondo. If Atlanta can get up to that 45 to 50 wins, he's definitely going to be in a conversation. So considering all that, I'm just going to go ahead and cast, you know, cast my lot with Luca. I think it's his time. I really think it's his time. And forget KP. We don't know if KP is going to be healthy at any point in time. But I really think the moves that they've made uh, are going to open up the floor even more, getting this guy back from uh, injury, being able to cut to the basket and throw lobs and be a defensive stalwart with Powell. I think that's going to bode well because they were already the most efficient offense in the league, but they took a step back once Powell got injured. So to have him back is going to make things even better for him and Rick Carlisle on the offensive end and the defensive end. So I'll go ahead and say Luka Doncic is going to win the MVP. Lamont? I'm going to have to agree with you, sir. I think Luka feeling a little disrespected in a sense. He feel like he think he's that good, and a lot of people think he's that good. I think he's going to give whoever running for that MVP a run for their money. And like you said earlier, people going to get bored with Giannis's numbers, and they're going to just get used to it, so to speak. But my sleeper is because KD may have to play a lot more than LeBron. Kevin Durant may make a strong performance and showing because he will play more than LeBron if he stay healthy. But to pick somebody, I'm, I'm going to go with Luka. Sid? I'll make it three for three. I'm going with Luka Doncic as well. Guys, let's let's not forget he was one, he was the best player in the NBA through the first uh, three months of the season uh, last year until they until uh, they played uh, the Lakers in those couple of regular season games last year. And also too, like you mentioned, Josh, Luca carried the Dallas Mavericks in the bubble on a bum ankle. Now that he's healthy, he's all go. So I'm going with Luca Dodgers as my dark horse for MVP. So he he's he's my choice to win it this year. KD, Luca. And Anthony Davis. Those are probably going to be going to be one of those three that's probably going to end up winning, you know, MVP. Whoever team does the best, and also who has, you know, consistent numbers. Because remember, it's a shortened season. I would say LeBron maybe is a sleeper, but we know he's probably going to play like maybe oh, like two thirds of the game. So he's going to be out, you know, in that race, unfortunately. So KD, Luca, and AD. Those are kind of like you know my top three. Now, who if you pick one of those three and they end up winning, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> All right, NBA champion. Alana, I'll start with you. I mean, I have to say the Miami Heat because I'll get killed if I don't. Right? So <laughs> we're going for the Heat. The Heat are doing it this year. Let's go, 2021. <laughs> Sean. LA Lakers. I hate to say it because that puts the dude one championship closer to the goat. And I, I hate to admit that he's going to get that close, but mm -hmm. this is yeah, this is his last one. I'll just put it out there. I'll go ahead and give him this last one. Lakers take it. Matt? I really don't want to pick the Lakers. Um, <laughs> pick Miami. So I won't. Um, <laughs> give, me, uh, give, me, give me Brooklyn. I like, um, you know, I, I think 
that was a really good point about the truncated offseason, especially for the Lakers who went all the way through the bubble, and that maybe having an ill effect on LeBron and his body being right for this season. I know that he is defeating Father Time year in and year out. Like, you know, he's 30, 30 million. He should be 40. I, like, I know he's not 40, but he feels like he's 40. And I, I just, you know, I don't know if that luck – that LeBron has had for the most part. I mean, his first season with the Lakers was the first time in his career that he missed a significant portion of a regular season. It's nuts how, you know, how fortunate in addition uh, to how much work he's put into keeping his body right and staying healthy. I just, man, I, I don't know why I just see this rushed season as something that will not go well for LeBron and thus will not go well for the Lakers. I'm clearly just forming this argument off the top of my head because I can't stand to play the Lakers. So, Give, give me KD in the Nets, man. Why not? <laughs> Josh? <laughs> Three out of the four championships LeBron has won. He's had a Chicago sidekick. So he know, so we know that he messes with Chicago talent. And, he's, and since he got, you know, one of the top Chicago talents in the league right now in Anthony Davis, he's going to solidify himself another championship in the, for the purple and gold. Lamont? I can't do it, man. I'm I'm like you, man. I just can't do it. I, I just can't. Do it. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Brooklyn before I take the Lakers, simply because the the, the long season. And I'm not too keen on the LeBron AD friendship, loving each other, lovey dovey thing going on, even with them other pieces. So I'm gonna go with Brooklyn. Sid. Unfortunately, I have to go with the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't hate it as much as Matt does, but uh, I just cannot. I think even though the Eastern Conference is much better, I just don't see Brooklyn or Boston having enough to overtake the Lakers. The Lakers are going to have a have a major injury or something to that degree for them not not to beat a team like Brooklyn or Boston. So uh, by default, I'm going with the Lakers, but it's going to be much tougher than it was a, a year ago. In, in any sport, uh, defending a championship that you have, being a defending champion is is tough, especially given the circumstances that we're going through right now. It's going to be even tougher. But by default, I'm going with the Lakers to repeat. It's tough to repeat, especially in recent years. But the Lakers got have a lot more depth than they did, you know, bubble mm-hmm. aside. So I'm going to pick the Lakers. Sorry, Matt. Um, but it's going to be tough, though. It's going to be tough, though. I have to, I'll say this. You know, whether it's Brooklyn or Boston or Miami, maybe, because, you know, they, they gave you the formula, you know, in the bubble a few months ago. But I think the Lakers will win another one, and I think this is when LeBron will go off into the sunsets. This will be, you know, he'll be number five, and he'll, you know, retire. So- he'll, be, he'll retire. <laughs> <laughs> Sid? All right, thank you guys so much for joining us here today on our Second City Sports Bulls slash NBA preview show. Great job by the panel. Let's, let's go around one more time and let them give their social media handles. Let's start out with Matt Peck of Blocked on Bulls podcast. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Bulls underscore Peck on Twitter. And you can also follow uh, my Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls, uh, with my co-host Jordan Malley. We're cranking out five episodes a week per usual. Uh, we got a great uh, episode dropping with the new Bulls play-by-play guy, Adam Amin, uh, to kick off this week. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, and uh, lastly, thank you guys so much for the invite. As always, always a pleasure hanging out with you guys. Absolutely. Alana? 
Um, you can find me at Alana Tahauer on Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, just A-L-L-A-N-A-T-A-C-H-A-U-E-R. Thank you so much for having me on, uh, and go heat. <laughs> Josh. Had to do it. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at jhicks042 and on Instagram at thatguyjoshhicks, and follow War Media um, on, on Instagram and Twitter, YouTube, um, War Media. we got a lot of great stuff coming on, including our NBA coverage of the Running With War podcast that comes on weekly. So be on the lookout for that as well. And Sean? Yeah, you can follow me at SD2Mikes on all platforms. You can follow the podcast according to sources at A2SPod1. That's A2SPod1 on all social media platforms. And thank you guys for having me on and continued success to all the panelists. I enjoy being on with everybody today. We enjoy having all of you guys on. We got to do this again. This is so much fun. A lot of great mm -hmm. insights. So love all you guys. Um, happy holidays. You guys stay safe. And we got to do this again. Yeah. This is so much fun. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thank, you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate right. it. You guys stay safe. You too. You too. All right, you too. All right, that was a whole Ugh. lot of fun, guys. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I think, yeah, this season should be a whole lot of fun. Uh, the NBA season kicks off on Tuesday, December 23rd. The Chicago Bulls season will kick off December December 23rd, I should say, against the Atlanta Hawks. The, the rest of the league will get started on December 22nd. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. And you can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook. Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from more media by simply go to our website at www.wearegalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. And wherever you download your podcast, including the iHeartRadio app, make sure you search for War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R -R on Anchor. And you can follow us on YouTube, as Josh said, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R -R Media. You can not only listen to us, but you can watch us as well as we do our thing live. Look alive! Uh, yes, get those likes and those shares up. So we're going to take Christmas yes. off. So we'll be right back next week for our last show of 2020. So make sure you guys stick around and look out for that. So for the guys, I'm Lakina. This is Second City Sports Zoom style. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And happy birthday, Lakina. And happy holidays. Yeah. Till next time. Holla. Stay safe out there, you guys. Wash your hands and wear your mask. <laughs>